Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And it's a Tuesday, lads. A, a Shrove Tuesday. Happy Pancake Day. I can only uh, picture the scene over there, JP. I'm guessing you're buried in Ovaltine and pancakes. Is that what's, uh, what's going <laughs> it on was. there? Well, yeah, an update on both of those fronts. Uh, uh, Joe's better half, Lucy, cooked some cracking pancakes and Joe's brought them round tonight, brought round 12. Still six in the box that you can bring back. I might take some over breakfast. Exactly, I think it would be, it would make for a good breakfast. I had, had some of those, that was really pleasing. Oh. He also, he also got me another present. This um, was last week. This was last week, um, after the show, because mm. where were you? Costco. Yeah, I went to Costco last Tuesday, yeah. And he bought me what basically a tub of Ovaltine, 800 grams. <laughs> Ridiculous size of the thing. As big as JP's head. Yeah. Did he make them that big? a photo of it. It's next to my, next to my head. It's Amazing. Size. Well, yeah. That's in the show image. Oh, it's, it's like it's going to have to drink a lot of Ovaltine to get through this. Well, you do anyway. I've had two cups, and that's my limit for the day. I'm that's good. That's a lot of Ovaltine. Wasn't, weren't you drinking like five cups a day? No, I weren't. Ago, you, we, we established that at the time that you made that up. We've all got our suspicions <laughs> no, on that one. No, that's <laughs> not the case. How many, how many, normally, how many calories sorry. do you reckon are in five cups of Ovaltine in a day, Joe? It's, I reckon that's like a thousand. It's like half your day. Probably, but I'm not drinking five cups. So. Mm, I think you were that first weekend. You got through <laughs> no. that first awfully quick. I did. And the look of shock and horror on your face when you found out about the calorie content in it. It was a picture, mate. You, didn't, <laughs> you, didn't, you sort of didn't move all... and sort of flinched nervously. <laughs> we confronted you about your new addiction. All right. It's not the worst addiction in the world. Nah, it's worse. It's worse places, JP. Yeah, you, Ovaltine's well all right. You've not gone full Jake Roberts yet, so you're all right. <laughs> Is that the future? Well, Jake, well, I said that's one of his students who was called Jake, and there was a... Why are you... No, um, I'm not going down that road. Uh, <laughs> no, it was only because uh, one of the guys at work was asking why he was looking at Jake the Snake videos on YouTube. I wasn't looking at Jake the Snake No, videos. this student was. Because you told him to look at them. I did. <laughs> All right, Jake, you like Jake the Snake. Is that how it went? That, that was exactly the conversation that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked well confused, yeah. But my girlfriend made some pancakes earlier. I made a whole batch of them with uh, some pancake mix. We also got a Costco. Like, oh. we're going to be pancakes forever with this pancake mix. 
fucking massive it is. And uh, she did say, take some for JP and he can have a cup of oval tea with them. And that's exactly what he did. Getting over JP. <laughs> exactly what he did. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm all right with that. It's been, a, it's been a lovely evening for that. Chelsea are losing at home. Uh, I don't know. I think that's sort of cheered me up a little bit. Oh, that sounds a bit horrible and spiteful, but there you go. So, yeah, it's been a lovely evening. Oh, I feel left stuff. out. I've got, no, I've got no pancakes here. I didn't think ahead. I've got like a leftover yum-yum from the weekend from Greg's. Does that count? I don't know. That's uh, good enough. Can't have that a few days on, mate. I know. I was thinking that. It'll probably rock solid at this point. Uh, I was looking at it before. I think it's probably probably been too long being Tuesday and I bought it on Sunday. Give, yeah. it, give it a go. No, you will. Yeah. You don't buy a ticket, you don't win the lottery, mate. How will you know what it's like? I've seen you eat food that's out of day by like a week before, though, mate. I'm that's fine with that. I'm with you on that, JP. If it smells yeah. good and it looks good, it's like, uh, you know, you can get a good bargain doing that. Like, if, 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 it, exactly. if, it's, if it's, you know, something like that you can see visibly, whether it's off or not, or you can smell visibly, I'm fine with eating it. Bread items, though. Like, you can't have that sort of bread item. A that crusty bread's good, Joe, you know? Big fan. Uh, yeah, but not when it's, like, stale and horrible. Like, a donut. I think you just accept it the day after. Two days after, you've got to get rid. It's like a pastry as well. Like, if you have a pano chocolat or something, like, mm. buy a fresh one. Day after, get away with it. Two days after, mmm pushing it you're a man who picks like the the bit of a like uh the, what you call it the mold off of bread jp is that like your tactic i'm not that bad no no it's not reached it's not reached those i know levels. someone who used to do that from work who did that he'd bring in this horrible moldy bread and he was like ah if you pick off the bits of mold it's fine oh, like, oh. god yeah that, that's going too far no that's 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 a step far too far i can't can't be dealing with that Oh, I did get a, a couple of a request. Actually, someone who wants to know, JP, what was your uh, your ranking of like hot drinks? Is Ovaltine at the top? Uh, I'm assuming. I just, I, it's, I'm weird on that front because I do like coffee, but I'll always start the day with tea. And <laughs> what? I don't know. It's just you just find this amusing. I'm thinking about it a lot. Oval Ovaltine's there. PG tips. Um, other stuff. I'll tell you what I did do enjoy, and I've got a, still a fair bit of it left. Turkish tea. Okay. I really enjoyed that. Did you get that and in I, Turkey when you went? I you did. I got that in Turkey. So you bought boxes, football shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> came back with all sorts Turkish of mad tea. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> dodgy Calvin Klein pants for my sons. Oh. Yeah, great stuff. Um, <laughs> Probably don't fit them now, do they? Pair of growing boys that they are. Well, they are. It's a couple of fucking blokes now, yeah, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. You saw him come in earlier on the speed that went after those Doritos. Well, one of them, yeah. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, it's shocking on that front. Um, <laughs> Yeah, don't know where I'm going with this stuff now in a minute. Uh, like of a, a, a hot drink, I quite enjoy. Um, I quite enjoy fruity on occasion. Mm. Uh, I'm not too much into. If it, I think it's because I'm. I'm like as a kid, I always hated like lem syrup and you know the types of, like hot medicines you get. You get. I'm really not a fan of like hot sweet stuff. Even like mulled wine, I can't do. And fruity oh, teas under that yeah, category for me. Like, what was that? Yeah, mate? I'm not keen on that. Hot black currant. Oh, mm. yeah. It's no. just, just if tastes I was like... fitting your favourite drink, I would have gone for a, a mocha. Oh, well, yeah, if I'm putting it in the general coffee thing. But I haven't, I haven't had that many mochas really recently for a while. That used to be a but stable of any drink. It would be a large mocha from La- Costa. Large mocha from Costa. Yeah. Generally putting the Costa points on your Costa card. No, can't yeah. complain on that one. No. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. There but, you yeah, go. I would have said large mocha would have been your favourite, followed by a cup of tea. If I was predictive. Mm. I mean, tea is the like fundamental backbone of it, but I'll only ever buy Barry's tea or Yorkshire tea. What's Barry's tea? Uh, Irish tea. That's, I was going to say it sounded oh. Irish. Yeah. 
it's good. It's great. Get it. Yeah, supermarket. I get otherwise this fancy clipper tea stuff that's like organically. I tell you what, it is good. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ, it's like the one luxury item she'll buy, and I'm like, all right, if it's just the one. Oh man, tender stem broccoli, which isn't doesn't make that much difference. No, it no, doesn't. Same stuff. Really. How do you feel like about a, bed, a bedtime tea, like an elderflower tea, that type of thing? When we were in Garrett's for a AAA and I had a hot water, I've not lived that down. Matthew still makes fun of me for that to this day. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind a cup of hot water late at night, but I would prefer like a nice bedtime tea, like an elderflower or something like that. No fans? Yeah. it's At the minute, I'm not really feeling like having a fruit tea at the minute just because it's so bleak and weather-wise. But I, and I've got out of the habit of it. It's it's mainly an, o- an oval team of the last hot drink before bed at the minute. I see you've got malt drink on the side as well, Steve. You've got straight <laughs> to the oval team. So I, personally, I would have finished the malt and then gone on to the oval team. Because that malt's going to be there a while now. Yeah, no, but I like sometimes I'll mix it up. It's a, I might only have one oval team, one malt drink. It depends how I feel. I play by my own rules. Do they taste different? Uh, they do taste different. Which There's a difference better? there. I'd say the Ovaltine is better. Okay. It's, that's not to say that the Sainsbury's own brand malt drink isn't fine. We've given this far too much time, <laughs> really, uh, to add that into this. But, um, yeah, you don't really need to know my inner thoughts on this stuff. Hey, I think it's fascinating. Just I know to you bring do. up as well on the hot water point, Benno, mm. reminds me of something I watched today. Have you seen the ESPN 30 for 30 on the World Eating Championships? Yes. I don't know. Oh, it's so good. Mate, it's pure wrestling. Is it? Like, it's just proper wrestling. Like, I remember watching, when I lived in the US, I remember Mm. switching on ESPN late at night and seeing the World Eating Championships. I mean, what the fuck is this? And some of these blokes chow down hot dogs as quickly as possible. But, yeah, I watched the 30 for 30 on it. Fascinating stuff. They basically use hot water and soak up all the bread for the hot dog in hot water so they can down the bread quicker. Uh. Ah. The world record, 74 Nathan's hot dogs in ten, no, 12 minutes. Is that the guy, I want to say it's Kobayashi. There's K- Kobayashi is the uh, Japanese guy. He yeah. looks like Kota Ibushi. Yeah. And has the kind of like the same body, same sort of, he's slight like Kota is. And he's got that weird cutesy kind of yeah. gimmick, if anything. Um, no, but there's that American guy, Joey something from Stockton. Oh, so yeah. I reckon he's like an honorary Diaz brother or something if he's from Stockton, California. <laughs> but uh, he, he's the champion with his 74 in 12 minutes now. But honestly, the rivalry between, between them two and the promotion, it's pure pro wrestling. Like the build, the way it's structured. The guy who owned the World Food Championships or whatever it was called He's just like a Vince McMahon figure. Like, he's just full of shit talking in, like, hyperbolic terms about the World Food Organization, about the boys and all the rest of it. And the Japanese lad isn't liked by the Americans and got booed by the Americans. But he also left because he felt like uh, he was being looked down upon and he was previously loved. And then this other guy came along and was loved more. And I was like, this is pure Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, this. <laughs> like, it really is. Like, Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. I thoroughly recommend it if uh, yeah. if you're looking for something interesting to watch and you're looking to be disgusted by men just eating a fuckload of food very quickly. <laughs> the point where Kobayashi goes up against a bear? Yeah, some... I remember seeing that. Years. In a food eating contest. That's very Kotorobushi. If you're saying he's like Kotorobushi, that's the type of thing he'd do. He would do, wouldn't he? He'd have a match against a bear. <laughs> he wouldn't have his nails clipped either or be drugged. It'd be proper, like, Revenant-style shit going on, probably. <laughs> um, 
Great show though, isn't it? Though? Good, good, the bad, and the hungry. That's it's called. it. Yeah, and no, it's called. pure wrestling. The whole thing. You're watching it, thinking this is like a wrestling angle, and like mm. a, a long-term wrestling storyline. Also, the entrances and stuff. I remember they come out to like music, and it's like a Michael Buffer-style announcer. Announcer to come into the ring, and it's like the world chili dog eating champion, or like the jacket potato eating champion out of so and so, so and so. It's like this is just mad, <laughs> and like the entrances are quite elaborate as well. They've all got gimmicks they go for. Check it out. I can't believe Vince McMahon's not tapped into this. Like he had, he gave the World Bodybuilding Federation a go. He's giving the XFL a go. Eating? You think it'd be up his alley? No. Right, it's full of fat bastards. Ah, uh, that's the problem. Yeah. Apart from Kobayashi, who is, like I said, Ibushi. Mm. <laughs> Vince ain't going to go for Ibushi, is he? Probably not, unfortunately. Uh, but I was just thinking, like, it's like that with, like, a lot of things. Like, there's so many things in life where, like, wrestling, we we, we think of it as being, like, this unique, weird world. And it is. But it's reflect like, things like that, like, even, like, things like RuPaul's Drag Race or, like, we were talking, things, wrestling's always, like, the politics and the drama and all of that, it's not exactly unique to wrestling, or, like, just, we were even, I was talking to my mate the other day about, um, the best rappers of all time, and we were saying, like, there was so, there's so many, like, and that, like, I was big into, like, mid-90s hip-hop, but pretty much every rapper that I like and then can name as, like, one of the best rappers of all time, they've all got, like, 15, 20 years of shite that they put out after their glory years, and I was like, nope, that's a lot like wrestling. You have like big, big charisma stars like like a DMX who is like I would describe as like the Nick Gage of his time. Uh, he's kind of faded for, for, into obscurity in recent years. It's all about like the big names, the lads with the skills that don't always get over. There's wrestling analogies everywhere. You look. There is politics. Is <laughs> like that, like completely play up into it, doesn't it? I mean, with with any kind of um, uh, like. Even the way with like Boris Johnson, it's simple catchphrases like that are kind Trump. of Trump. Yeah, you like a Trump as well. Yeah, you just go up, but you also you play the heel who says the things that nobody else is able to say, mm. and it's the idea of people kind of liking the idea of it rather than actually looking at the content of the substance. Um, he speaks yeah, his mind, doing JP. It for years. He, he speaks his mind. That's all right. He says what we're all thinking, JP. That's what it is. Oh yeah, exactly. But that's the way their adverts are, and mm. that's the way they are behind the scenes when they all kind of see when a lot of politicians get on, but in front of the camera they sort of do the whole yar boo stuff in the meantime. Yeah, it's mm. it's, it's pure oh, rest. It's a work. Like you watch, like I I've been in it in like years past, not as much as I I am now. But like if you watch like the CNNs of the world where they're like breaking down political debates, like it's like a halftime show and like a football game you know what i mean where they're yep. like where they're like talk, they're talking about like the, the the mechanics and the in, in the using inside the terms and breaking down what somebody should have said versus <laughs> yeah like, but it's all that it's looked at like that isn't it like it's a like it's a sport that's worthy of breaking down uh whereas even we're not that far bad yet there was one i thought of uh recently actually in regards to politics and analogy uh, I think Chris Brooks is very much the Jeremy Corbyn of wrestling in many ways. <laughs> I was having to think about this. You think about it. He was a bit of an insurgent a few years ago. Presented something slightly different. Came along. We were all a bit excited. Like, okay, this is interesting. This CCK brand as well. You know, very good at branding himself as something slightly different. Connected with a different group of the fan base. Got a sort of real loyal following, if anything. And a lot of that law following are quite young. Uh, they're sort of quite idealistic. They're sort of looking to form a bit of an identity around, you know, this new interest <laughs> in wrestling as well. And he's kind of one of the guys who is 
you know, one of the, they sort of gravitate to because of the way he presents stuff, the kind of meme stuff he does. But he also created his own pressure group and a momentum style in Schadenfreude as well, <laughs> which is its unique own thing. It doesn't really connect on a wider scale and is kind of a bit of a sect in a way. But he doesn't really have that wider appeal and doesn't connect with some of the bigger companies like a Rev Pro so much. So he's more at home as a sort of constituent MP in Wolverhampton, let's just say. His Islington. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but the he's also got Islington. an interest in, you know, some sort of foreign policy in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily mainstream politics, but more niche, i.e. DDT. How about that for an analogy? There you go. It's, and he's had, he's had success there now, isn't he? Yes, he yeah, yeah. And he's uh, back in his comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. David Starr will be fuming, Joe. He wants to be the uh, the Corbyn. I'm saying that he's he's, he's more the uh, I don't know. What, what is there? Any, is there a British? He's Bernie Sanders. He's Bernie. There's no other way to go, is there? With David yeah. Starr, I, I saw today actually he was literally going to to meet an MP or something to talk about wrestling yep. rights. So he put his money where his mouth is. I appreciate that. Who was he meeting? He's into, um, like, probably some Tory he, MP, isn't he? He probably is. Not that Paul Bristow bloke, is it? <laughs> For wrestling's well, owner. He's set up for an angle already, isn't he, Paul Bristow? Oh, yeah. before, before we started, Will made us uh, yeah. watch that clip, didn't he? It's uh, Paul Bristow against who is it? Uh, Joe Scott. Joey, Joey Scott. Joey it's, Scott. It was, it was it was a horrible eight minutes of, from, of from Sanjay Bagger Pro Wrestling. I'm guessing that's what it looked like. LDN Wrestling, yeah. Sanjay Bagger. I'm sure I've seen pictures of him in Farage before, and Farage has got the LDN title. But I was trying to look for it, and I couldn't find it beforehand. But I'm sure I've seen that. But this Paul Bristow. Bristow, like MP for uh, Peterborough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the baby face in this angle <laughs> as well. That's so like bagger, isn't it? That's yeah. so that like yeah, LDN. Well, it was weird because he started going on about how like his whole thing was that Peterborough was being insulted, and he wanted to um, and he wanted to show that 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 Peterborough's on the up. We're leaving the EU. He, you know, he was doing, and then it, there was a fair amount of booing from the crowd when he said that and it just sort of cuts to another bit later on well i suppose but it was natural baby face you know party of the billionaires party of rich (laughs) donors you know doing work for the donors to make the richer richer party not keen on flooding yeah so you know certainly doing nothing about it sure the public services in peterborough are great at the moment as well so yeah natural baby face role (laughs) yeah the millions in the crowd love the job well, also, I hope they saw the clip of him on Channel 4 News, which I saw before the election, where he tried to set up a meet on a doorstep to make himself look great. And he got caught out oh, by uh, that him? Michael Cripp, yeah. a journalist. Um, I saw yeah. that, yeah, where it was like the, he was like round the corner talking to the dude, yeah. saying like, oh, I'm going to come round, I'm going to yeah. say this. Oh, my God. I didn't realise that was him. And hopefully he'll lose his seat in the next election, because Peterborough's a mad constituency anyway, and seems to change hands all the time. So, yeah, he can fuck off and hopefully <laughs> not wrestle. And if he does wrestle, I hope he wrestles in a depressing promotion like LDN Wrestling, which is irrelevant and of no interest to anyone. I'd watch it if he was in there with a motivated Anita. I would go and see. <laughs> that would be. I think like, I'd watch anybody against like, a motivated or unmotivated Anita. Is there any chance? Yeah, you just want to get an MP like that up for what tournament of death or something like that. <laughs> he was talking about how he doesn't like cheats. And I was thinking, hold on. Aren't you in kind of the party of cheats? Isn't your isn't the prime minister kind of a serial cheat by all accounts? Yeah. What about John serial Ma- dad as well. John Major and Edwina Curry. There's another couple of cheats in the Tory party. You know, yeah. got 
nothing against cheats necessarily. Do what you do, but he doesn't like cheats. But he's there as a hypocrite right there, like most hypocrites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there you go, Will. I don't know if you expected anything. I was going to say they, they've had a pretty easy ride, haven't they, over the last sort of <laughs> since the election depression. Well, just trying to move past Preeti it. Patel's actions over last week deserve a bashing, and Dominic Cummings can take a bashing off me any time he fucking wants to twat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Will. Uh, uh, moving on, did, did either of you see uh, Fury Wilder? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was weird. Did you see he blamed it on the costume? Yeah, because it cost, weighed £45. Weighed £45. Yeah. And he said as a result, his legs were gone. See, everything's aware. Oh, it's Jesus. He, and he fucked up on the booking of this one then, didn't he? Yeah, it was the he didn't worst get... way to book a rematch, you know. It really was, wasn't it? It was, it was, te- it was, well, he just dominated him. And he just looked Fury like... Fury was awesome. Fury really was. Just didn't make any mistakes whatsoever. Um, it was good. I thought Meltzer has been losing the plot a bit about it when he's talking about him being the greatest boxer of all I time. I don't think he realised that he beat Klitschko. Because Meltzer was talking about, um, like how Lennox Lewis might be able to beat him or something, and then something about Klitschko. And it was like he didn't know the Klitschko fight had happened, the way oh, he was talking about Klitschko. That was an awful... Yeah, it was boring, really boring. I was in Amsterdam watching that. Yeah, I watched it at a pub somewhere, and it was, yeah, it was a dull affair. But, you know, that was a different fury, and I love the way he came out the blocks of this one. I was quite surprised at the approach, if anything. And those first few rounds were fucking awesome, as far as yeah. lively fights go, that kind of got you going straight. I expected more of a slow burn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of a thriller, if anything. I was expecting to go. I was expecting to go the whole hog. Yeah, same as well. Yeah. I was really surprised when after about after two rounds, you were like, "He's got it. Like he's yeah. done." It was as soon as he'd lost his equilibrium. As soon as he started bleeding from the air, and they were go, talking about it, it was like, "Oh, he's gone. He's yeah. gone completely." And he looks ungainly at the best of times, Wilder. Yeah. So, like, as a result of that, it was. And this is the mad thing you take away from it. You look at Fury at the end of the fight. You look at the charisma Fury had. What's the one place where he came across as robotic and (laughs) uncharismatic? It occurred to me as well. And do you know what my worst fear was? So I saw a bit of a documentary the week before on BT where Triple H was talking about Fury Wilder. And straight away I was like, oh, God. They're either doing Triple H Fury at Mania or they're doing oh. some sort of tag where Triple H tags with Fury against oh. Braun Strowman and someone. He's got nothing planned. I mean, he was there as well. Oh, and I was like, did you oh. see that clip where he went up to him to wish him luck, him and Stephanie? And like, it was just so awkward because like Fury was trying to talk to other people and they were trying to butt in and clearly no one in the room really knew Triple H and Stephanie were. And then they had that Triple H give like an awkward joke about Arby. If you need a tag, give me a shout. It was like, oh, it's so bad. Like, I love that they, 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 they them two turn up at like boxing and MMA and stuff now trying to uh, make themselves relevant. Planting the seeds for that tag there. See what I mean? Oh, yeah. Saudi. Horrible, horrible feeling. I don't know if it'll be Saudi. I think it might be Mania. Because oh, yeah. I, think, I think Saudi's too soon for Fury. Oh, Saudi's, Saudi's in two days. Sweet, isn't it? It's Thursday, yeah, so, yeah. Mania tickets aren't selling tremendously, are they? It's not that they're selling badly, but they're not selling tremendously, not on parity with previous years, which mm. isn't really a surprise to me. Deontay Wilder and Braun Strowman. Oh, that's like an update of the Malone and Rodman. and DDP <laughs> yeah. versus um, Hogan and Rodman. Ho- Hogan and Rodman oh, yeah. yeah, I won't lie. I'd be bloody curious to see what it looks like. I mean, I don't think I would. I didn't watch the Strowman fight in Saudi. I was just like, I, 
I, nah. they've made Fury look completely uncharismatic. Oh, like, they did, yeah. That bloke, I, I watched a documentary, it was on ITV last week, and you're just kind of drawn to him. Mm. Like, mm. There is a sort of a magnetism about the bloke where he is just, I don't know, like very authentic, very interesting. I'm quite engaged when he's on screen, apart from when he was on Raw. It's, mm. it's bizarre, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. But it sort of speaks to their kind of nature in terms of micromanagement, doesn't it? And kind mm. of killing everyone's personality with their overt micromanagement. Imagine if we were micromanaged and this became about deli- I mean, this became like a version of WWE backstage or one of them pre-show <laughs> panel shows where Ben oh. was in like the Sam Roberts role. It would lose its Jesus, entire Jesus, that's a horrible oh, thing. Right. Listen to the show if we if it, if we were micromanaged but they mm. micromanaged Tyson fucking Fury <laughs> who might be the best promo in the world along with McGregor at the moment mm. ridiculous McGregor would be the same imagine that McGregor in wrestling like I don't think he'd do it I think McGregor would stand his ground mm. I think he's got too much authority and too much about him to do it maybe a Mayweather I, thing mm, yeah possibly possibly I think Fury's more I don't know, amenable and has, mm. you know, he's taken a look at himself the last few years, wants to please people maybe to more of an extent as well. But yeah. yeah, Tyson Fury showed more charisma when he guessed it on Robbie Williams' most recent album than he did in the WWE. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, the other thing is like, sometimes like it doesn't always translate no matter what. Like, remember how bad, because um, he was training this week at WWE, wasn't he? Tito Ortiz, remember when he was in TNA? And he couldn't be more wooden. Yeah. I always thought he was one of the more charismatic UFC guys I've heard. Melter this week ripping him apart for his promos, which I always liked back in the day. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't always work, does it? You know, that kind of... It's like CM Punk going the other way. Like, how, how charismatic and interesting was CM Punk? And then he got into UFC and he was just trying to play, like, respectful guy. And it's a different business, isn't it? So he, was, he, he had a different type of charisma but there's always a way when you go the reverse there's always a way you can mold it isn't there like mike tyson didn't always come across the coolest when he's in wwe but you know back then at least they knew to use him in a limited role aside from yeah throwing him in dx which was a, a weird thing to do they kind of uh they worked around his strengths i suppose back then whereas now they just you get slotted into what what their system is it's like, you know, when we talk about Riddle going on Raw, you know he'd be on Raw cutting a 20-minute promo. They don't work to anyone's strengths. They just throw them in there and expect them to work their playbook, as Triple H would say. And the amount of money they leave on the table as a result is just, yeah, it'd be scary to add up. Yeah, it's a, and it requires such a radical rethink from them. It would go against what is their their creative process and how indoctrinated they are to that. Mm. And the fact that, you know, it's the... They hire their writers. The writers generally don't know anything about wrestling. They kind of, in a sense, sort of put them into these these kind of horrible positions of having to come up with stories with this really narrow kind of tunnel vision done to appeal to one person. And until that changes, like there's always going to be these kind of massive amounts of, of missed opportunities. And it becomes hard to be enthused for, you know, for wanting to, buy their pay-per-views when they eventually start to put those online as well you know that's a i can't see people wanting to really go near those well there are some idiots out there aren't well, there, there's, we know, but, they are know. but it's it's a lot it's a lot narrower base for the for the price that's there because they would have to build up stuff so it's like real event mm. viewing i just don't think 
their mindset at the moment, it, it struggles with it, other than their mania card, which at the moment they're changing again, aren't they? Well, think about it. I've just spoken about how I'm kind of fascinated by Tyson Fury, but I'm not going to watch him at a WrestleMania, and I'm a massive wrestling fan. Mm. And I'm like, that kind of says a lot. Should be a given. Yeah. Yeah. Makes yeah. me go we didn't get that Brock Lesnar Lennox Lewis Lewis match that was rumoured many years ago. Do you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. You were rumouring that and wasn't it Kurt Angle against somebody on the same card? Holyfield, oh. maybe? Can't remember oh. it. Is it not was... an MMA? Is it not like Chuck Liddell or something? Uh, that that like... was definitely a talk at one point. Back when Ben Angle like was cutting promos about oh he beat up all these UFC guys in real life. Uh that was a fun period that one there, where they had like hard case Kurt Angle in WWE. Because he was going, Angle was going to do this series of the Armour Fighter, wasn't he? At one point as well, mm. it was going to be one of the posts in the Armour Fighter. I can't remember what series it was. Do you remember? No, no, I can't think off the top of my head what no, series no. it was going to be. Oh, that'd be brilliant! Didn't um, Dana cut it, cut up, cut him down on it, didn't he? Because there was loads of it, that was mainly when he was in TNA, wasn't it? When he was trying to get the uh, the UFC connect up. Well, that would be JP's level of ex- uh, expertise. You know, sorry, mate, I missed that entirely. One of your areas, TNA, mate. Well. I, I I remember him back to that T, um, Tito Ortiz angle. <laughs> um, yeah, when he him joining Aces and Aids. Oh, Saw another one. MMA. I mentioned it very quickly. Saw King Mo. He was on MLW this week. Oh. Um, up against like basically someone like that. Who's the guy off ITV? The really big bloke who wrestles for Future Shock and the like. What was his uh, name? Crater. Yeah, basically like that. And it was it was terrible. It was pretty awful. But it's like they're trying to set him up for um, like a title shot at some point, or like the open weight title. But yeah, it's it's not something that's going to work. Even though they have got Dan Lambert on there cutting promos for him as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's a hard business to get right. It mm. really is when you're crossing over with MMA. When you, when you said McGregor at WrestleMania, all I could think is, yeah, they'll, of course they'll do him against uh, Braun Strowman at some point. Oh, McGregor. He would be the cut. They would just go through the May with a playbook. Yeah, just do the the match. big, yeah, the big show match again, basically. But again, in Saudi Arabia, where they're willing to pay yeah, them. Lesnar, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's that's got the appeal, the most appeal of anyone in terms of name value. Oh, well, that that would value. be, yeah. But then it would come down to the politics of Lesnar having to lose to a much smaller man, <laughs> that that type of stuff as well. I don't see Brock necessarily playing ball with that. Mm, yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. Like that, like you said it before. I'm actually shocked that that that, uh, that Saudi show is this week. Like I've had no mm. talk about. It. At least last time, you had like the the effect of the freak show fights on there, and like we say with you know, with these names on, with Cain Velasquez on there as well. Like th- this time, like I'm guessing, lads, you're not excited for Goldberg versus the Fiend. Uh, is that not uh, floating anyone's boat? As long as it fits to go up onto site, I don't know Twitter. Because I've, I've otherwise zero interest of, of seeing it whatsoever. If he beats him in thirty seconds, Joe, would you watch it? Nah, <laughs> it'd, fit, it'd fit into something an easy clip on social media. I've got no sort of fascination though. Like Cain Velasquez, I was fascinated to see wrestle, mm. so, and it fit into two minutes of a Twitter video, so I watched it. I've seen Goldberg squash a million people. I've seen it recently, and it's the Fiend, and I've got no time for. <laughs> the theme because i think he might be one of the worst wrestlers that has ever stepped into a wrestling ring to be honest with you and i say that with no exaggeration i think i think hopefully they're they're seeing the, the way you're seeing it joe and at least at main give, give us goldberg and roman instead just just I'll just press eject just yeah. press eject on this fiend nonsense like if saudi gives us anything give us that put goldberg over in 30 seconds and go to the match people actually want to see 
if they're going to be shuffling plans anyway jp do it that way exactly and then you're thinking well it'll only be five minutes that match i'm fine with that goldberg versus versus roman and you'll be thinking that five because i love that match against lesnar he had at mania it was just like the most perfectly booked sort of five minute match and think of the last time bray Wyatt was in a title match at wrestlemania do you remember that is that the, the Randy Orton? The Randy Orton match yep. and the stuff on the yeah yeah same show yeah yeah Jesus yeah. Christ uh, I've I've just um, dark days oh terrible times I've just sent you I remembered somebody sent me earlier today sent me a uh, a card that's uh, obviously Saudi Arabia is the the big one happening this weekend but I've just sent you on Skype I just found it of images there uh, apparently there was a show earlier this week at uh, Ali Bim Hamad Arena. Uh, not even sure oh. where that is. Is oh, that's Qatar, isn't it? This Qatar show. Qatari, me, yeah. Have you seen who's on this card? Great Carly, Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, Mark Henry, Road Warrior Animal. Like it's way more money than than whatever the shit they're putting on in Saudi this week. Animal wrestling. Is Nash wrestling? <laughs> I think I saw a clip of it where Bischoff came out at the beginning as like the general manager for the night. They're in this arena. The greatest general manager of all time. It didn't look like many people were there. They were trying to say there was four or 5,000. And I was like, no. And it's all set up by that Chris the Bambi killer bloke and their champions, Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> Another one of in my absolute <laughs> yes. most disliked wrestlers ever in Alberto Del Rio. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Alberto's on there. I'm just looking at the card now. I just said it to you. Matt Seidel's yep. on there. Rob Van Dam, Chris Masters, Brian Cage. Chris Masters, another one who'd be in the top 10 worst ever. Enzo Amore. It's just the who's who of my most disliked wrestlers. <laughs> PJ, PJ Black. What awful. Jody uh, Flash. Jody Flash and Johnny Storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the same show as Carly. Okay. <laughs> Enzo Amore's uh, in there. Apollo and Apollo Jr. That, that cross. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> I know. Swan. Enzo. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. This would have been a good night of a tear, eh? As this is Cupid and you Perhaps <laughs> yeah. if they were like Richard Keys, they could probably have a drink round his. Have you ever seen Richard Keys' house? In I guitar. Have. Yeah. Like a tribute to like Brexit Britain. Hilarious stuff. Have a look at the video if you've never seen it. If they pop round who is, they could have a few drinks round there. I think him and Andy Grace will have a sneaky few. I think they just uh, had a bit of money left over from um, bribing people for that World Cup. I think they've put it all towards like uh, Enzo Amore and Eric Bischoff and Jody Fleiss's wages. That's it, yeah. That Well, I, I just hope they're getting a massive payday for that. It looks like, like I say, I saw that little clip of it. I won't lie, having now look at, looked at the rest of that lineup, I'm clearly going to have to skip through and see what the hell is going on. Um, Where are you going to find it? He's I know. His ways. Right, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I really honestly think, yeah, might have to see. Just that card in and of itself just looks looks pretty wild. Mm. There. I think if, I think we'd rather, I'd rather review that than review the Saudi show this time next week. I think that's fair. Uh, I can't, I'm not reviewing that Saudi show. Fuck. <laughs> All right, then. then I don't, I'm he's... not watching that. I'm not watching Super Slam Two from Guitar. <laughs> no, I'm not watching anything from sort of oppressive yeah, regime this week. Uh, if I can avoid, it. I'm not watching documentaries. Yeah. Maybe talk about flaws fundamentally in the sort of regimes and the oppression in Saudi Arabia. You sure? But I'm not watching wrestling from oh, there. You know no what? Way. 
Speaking of collision in Korea on a retro, I've seen it. Speaking of documentaries from oppressive regimes, you watch any more of the Ruthless Aggression series on the network? We saw the second (laughs) part on Wednesday. Yeah, we watched the uh, The scene. The scene. I was I was into that until like halfway through when they started going into that. Oh, you know, half the fans loved them, half the fans hated them, but it was heat. I can't deal with that. I, I turned it off at that point. Yeah, the revisionist history here, again, is very, very strong in this one. Slightly more amusing, I think, more than anything else for, for this one, because it's... It didn't make me as yeah, angry. It didn't make but me as angry. The first one, I think, is one of the worst pieces of documentary filmmaking mm. I've ever seen in my life, because mm. all of it's blatantly untrue, and it's just a propaganda piece designed by... Well, designed to please one man, kind of like that... Um, propaganda piece that Mohammed El Fayed made mm. about uh, the cover-up of his son's death by the mm. authorities and all the rest of it. I don't know how I've got to that comparison, but I was just thinking <laughs> of a rich man who had a documentary made that supported his own claims. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous stuff, that first one. But the Cena one I thought was fine. It was less offensive, but a bit silly. And it's a stupid series. Oh, yeah. What, what's your favourite? Uh, I, I was enjoying like, the throwback to like rapper Cena and at least they admitted, admitted or at least he admitted, because everyone else was kind of putting it in glowing terms. He was like, no, I generally was like close to being just thrown out the door. Like that's how that's how easily they could have, as much as I didn't love the, the face heel stuff they did with them over the, the decades, that's how easily they could have lost like a genuine generational star in Cena. But I did like the honesty, mm-hmm. at least from him. Uh, and also, yeah, I, I'm a sucker for any of that throwback uh, rapper Cena stuff. Like, it looks really cringy looking back, but I was always a big fan of him. I thought, you know what? I didn't think his album was that bad. I thought he had some bangers on there. I know you were a, a fan as well, Joe. Oh, I thought some of them were all right, yeah. I remember finding my brother had downloaded it, found it on our family computer at the time. So had, a li- had a sneaky listen, but yeah, some all right songs. And that video of the A-Team they did. Oh, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. oh, there's a hilarious one where there's another video where he's talking about, like, hanging out of his real friends back in West Newbury, Massachusetts. I know the I one. I not remember the name of it, but I used to occasionally watch it on YouTube with company for a bit of a laugh. So I'd recommend uh, getting that one back out of the closet if you can, because it's a, it's a belter. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was all right, but favourite era, Cena. Mm, I think Cena was underrated as a wrestler between sort of like 2010, 2013. I thought he actually had some great matches during that period which he held his own in, and he was a great big match wrestler, and he understood the occasion and the kind of spectacle-style match. So I think he gets a little bit underrated as a wrestler, if anything. Yeah, he does. And like that Umaga match is one of my favourites. <laughs> favorite. Yeah, I just found it myself right now. <laughs> That's going to have to be like the episode they draw out to us. Everyone needs to watch this video. It's the one where he's like topless, isn't it? Like back, back home with his boys. And yeah. he's, uh, he's got, West Newbury, there we go. You got this like uh, low riders going off and stuff. But it's just a lot. Have you never seen this? I've never seen I this. I played it on SmackDown at the time, being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it, a great video. It's man. the whitest thing you'll ever see, JP. It really is, isn't it? The oh. mean streets of West Newbury. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. One thing I will say for that, though, is I did see, hmm. I was linked to some terrible tweets from some supposed respected, uh, I say wrestling journalists, supposed wrestling insiders who, I don't know, spout stuff all the time on Twitter, talking about how he didn't understand the criticism of ruthless aggression. And it was very much a progress vibe of just enjoy it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Well, the problem is, is that if you have any interest in the kind of 
the seriousness or the historical kind of perspective around wrestling. They own all of the footage. They own all of the rights. So there is a kind of like, I would say you are kind of duty bound to do right by it. Not just make up any old shit because it might make you look bad for a fucking millisecond. And that makes you come across worse if there's no admission of making mistakes. Mm. And it's just an idea of it was the time and it was the circumstances. Because the problem is for young, for people who not like us, who read loads of books around this and followed it for years, and we're aware that it's bullshit. For a lot of people, they believe this stuff. Um, this just becomes the accepted narrative. It was the kind of bollocks I'd imagine Ryan Satin putting out there, if anyone. And it wasn't him. And it just came across <laughs> as the worst, just like, is this like Jim Smallman or Glenn Joseph behind this account telling us to just enjoy it? No. Like, criticism is there for a reason. And you're going to critique something that gets a lot of untruths across and tries to establish untruths as a narrative, entertaining or not. Like, ridiculous stuff. It's, it's kind of, it's one of them things. I mean, like, I, I think, like, on, the, on, like, the criticism point, like, I... I'll mention it now. We're going to talk TNT later, but like I literally got pulled aside by a promoter this week. Like I was on, I was going, mm. I mentioned it on Twitter. I was going into the the TNT show last Thursday. That I'll, I'll talk about the show itself later. But on my way in, he was like, "Oh, you do a podcast, don't you?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he went, "Oh, can I have a word?" Pulled me outside, basically. He didn't pull me, but you know, asked me to come outside with him. Stepped outside to like the little backstagey smoking area, and he was like, "Oh, I've heard that um, you've been." Uh, but I can't remember exactly how he put it. It was something like, "Oh, I believe you've uh, you, you you might have a problem with us, or I believe you've not uh, you've been saying some things about us on your podcast." And I was just like, I was just stood there, like I was amused at first. I was like, "Okay, what is this situation?" Like I'm someone who's quite comfortable in you know I've done I've been involved in wrestling before on a small level. I've got no problem talking to wrestling people, but I was kind of just like, "My God, like what?" What has he heard we've allegedly said like about about his company and like in what world is this a normal thing to do? Like I said it I said it to him at the time and I said it on Twitter and I've spoken to him since as well. Like at the end of the day that like, you wanna get disgust with the, the big boys and you wanna you want you wanna you wanna I don't know be, be talked about and given you know you've gotta kind of expect both. Uh, you've mm. got to, we can't we can't do our job as a as podcasters or you know as people who are putting out something like this or even writing about wrestling unless you're honest and i was like i, I on the one hand i was kind of saying well you know i've never as far as i'm concerned we've given tnt which is the company you know we've given them so i've given them loads of coverage on this podcast and on my other podcast british wrestling experience more than they probably at their level would usually get just based on mm. the fact that they run in liverpool right down the road from me and i go to their shows but like the thing you've got to take with that coverage is you know i'm going to say things i like and i'm going to say things i don't like as well and that should be normal and it's just fascinating isn't it that he's he's apologized since and uh, everything's good but like mainly for the kind of the way he kind of wanted to uh to pull me aside and and ask directly you know i've heard you've got a problem with us have you got a problem with us but like that that should be normal shouldn't it and it's just not in wrestling i don't know what it is that, that where people think wrestling is this special thing that uh you can't say when you like something and you can't say when you when you don't like something and I think that the worst thing about it is then you've got no element of quality control because mm. if everything's good, then nothing is good. Yeah. How do you differentiate between it? And we brought it up a few weeks ago. The idea that this isn't just an investment of buying a ticket and then you're there and you watch a show. So if you're critical of it, it's like, well, you only paid, what, £15 or whatever for it. It's like, no, there's 
people are you know there's the trip is the cost of the overall kind of going to the show whether or not you've had travel plans whether you're going to stay over so in some ways you're going to like i said this before in some ways you're kind of duty bound to tell people is this something that's worth investing your time and your money into and if it's going to be a case where like kind of criticism or even any kind of self-criticism you don't want to hear it that's not good Mm. you're not meant to go through life without any kind of criticism you know it's part of the human experience it's just part of a general thing about growth you learn from mistakes and when you learn from mistakes it's like ah okay this is what i need to do next time It's, it's just kind of how the way life works and there's an extreme naivety if you think that People like us who are really, you know, massively invested in in wrestling and watching it for God knows how long now at this point, and the amount of stuff that we watch even just generally on a weekly basis, you know, the idea that I'm just meant to sit there and go, it's all great, and walk away from it. It's like, what human being actually thinks like that? Mm. Just talk about what you like, JP. Just talk about what you like. That's something you'll get. People will genuinely think that. And like you said, if you've got no grounding of saying what you like and what you don't like, what you like doesn't mean anything. And, you know, it's not our job to be cheerleaders for, for wrestling or wrestling promotions or, or Brit Res in, in general. Uh, it's just the whole thing's nuts. And, yeah, you know, in the TNT case, like, yeah, I think in some ways he had me mixed up with somebody else. In other ways, he'd hear the really old podcast uh, at some point, apparently. And, you know, and again, I don't I don't think his attention's were bad. I think he was trying to have, like, a, a laddie, like, man-to-man conversation. And he was trying to say, you know, if you've got any problems with us, come to me directly. And I was kind of saying, well, that's just not how it works, is it? Like, if you want to be discussed in the public sphere, then, you know, you've got to kind of accept the, the good with the bad publicly. And, yeah, again... We wouldn't be doing our job, would we, if we didn't uh, didn't give people... I think people listen to stuff like this for honest takes and honest opinion, and that's what you're going to get. Um, and it, the same applies for not just local wrestling, but just wrestling in yeah, general. Yeah, one of the worst podcasts I've ever listened to is Jim Smallman's Tuesday Night Jaw. Everything's great. This is the positive podcast. We're not going to say anything bad. Well, fuck off then, because there's no balance here. <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? Like some sort of North Korean-style propaganda piece where even spun in a positive way to make everything seem awesome. Don't live in a utopia. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, and you shouldn't have been put in that position, Benno. And it's always someone I thought to myself, at a wrestling show, is this ever going to happen to one of us? And mm-hmm. oh, now it's I can't happened. believe it's not happened to progress. <laughs> like, TNT of all things, they're like, do I not sing the praises? Of- I mean, I make fun of the crowd for looking like a load of goths and it being crazy-ass wrestling. Not wrong. But when do I, exactly, when do I say it about the TNT? No. No. <laughs> hey, I was one as a teenager, nothing wrong with that. But even if, I think this was my point, like, I actually, I tweeted about it and I regretted it because I got up in the morning and I had like a hundred notifications from people that reminded me why you gave Twitter a miss, Joe, and why James is not on it this week. Like, I was like, I regretted it. And a lot of people in like, in a good way, were trying to reply to me and going, oh, you only ever talk positively about TNT. And I was like, I appreciate that. And I would, you know, I'd say that too. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. Like if I spent the entire podcast saying how bad I thought that TNT show was, to me, that's just, that's the job. That's fine too. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's, if you think something's bad, say it's bad. Like that's just the, the kind of honesty I think people would, would expect from the likes of us and anybody in our position. Yeah, that, that whole cult speak just i'll only talk about what you like it just it doesn't stand up to any kind of intelligent scrutiny whatsoever imagine if you went through life so today here's an example it's not kind of the same but as an example on my way to work today i was stuck in traffic 
it was fucking annoying. Imagine if I went through life going, oh, no, this traffic's fine. Nothing wrong with this. It'll be over soon. I'm going to be late for work. No, I was thinking about the ridiculous nature of the roads in Oxfordshire and how they desperately need expansion, how there need to be more commuter routes established in the area, or how there needs to be a proper investment in public transport in the area, like a proper train line in order to get people to work quicker and get them commuting and moving quicker. But imagine if I just went, oh, no, it's fine. It is what it is. Everything's awesome. I'll be at work soon. That means I can sit in the car and listen to podcasts for longer. What a ridiculous way to live life that would be. <laughs> Denying myself the right to be annoyed. And you know what? Being offended can be a good thing at times because mm. it shows that you're a human being. That's it. And, you know, I've, we've had promoters outright tell us that, like, because I had, I had somebody in the replies going, like a wrestler, going, uh, criticism's fine, but only when it's constructive and you can offer ways on how to improve things. And I was like... That is such a wrestling response. Like, I was just like, like, we've had promoters outright tell us they think it's crass when we tell them about to do their job. But at the end of the day, whichever side of that fence you're on, we're not life coaches. You know, if it's going to help someone when we criticize something, great. But it doesn't have to be the point either, does it? It's like, you know, I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast where somebody has a better idea for everything they're putting out. I'm there to hear, like, an opinion, good or bad. And yeah, if you want to apply that to people's Twitter accounts too, where people will say that on Twitter too about how, oh, you should only you should only say what you like. You shouldn't you shouldn't waste your time on on negative energy. I genuinely worry for those people's mental health more than I do people like us who like a good old moan. Yeah, mate. If they want to live inside the Lego Movie where everything is awesome at all times, then good luck to them because they're going to live a much more miserable life full of lies and bollocks yeah. than we are. Where you know, yeah. we are engaged in such with the truth at all times, and sometimes <laughs> being crushing realist is, you know, yeah. not the best, and it can be disappointing at times. But you take the highs with the lows. There you go. There's a positive way of putting a, yeah. put a spin on that one. You can't have the rainbow without the rain. <laughs> That's a, that's such a like Facebook cover photo quote that isn't it? Ugh. It's and I'm a I am a loather of inspirational quotes on like an industrial scale. Live laugh like love JP. Don't <laughs> don't with that stuff. It sounds like it's not of... about waiting for the storm to pass. About learning to dance in the rain. Uh, Fuck off. It's the kind of thing that someone who maybe you come across on Tinder. You think oh, she's all right. <laughs> And then the Facebook ad occurs and you see the inspirational quotes, you're like, ah, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's why it's starting to run. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just as a fan on the TNT thing again, I'll talk yeah. about the show later, but, you know, I'm not in it. I'm going to the show in two weeks. All is good. I'm someone who's com- I'm comfortable in the position and defending ourselves. If progress want to pull me aside at one point, fair enough, pull me aside and I'll defend myself to them too. Just a, a yeah. reminder really for me of just a... And again, I got a, I did get an apology from Jay after the, uh, the TNT promoter uh, directly, but, you know, just a reminder of how weird wrestling is that you'd ever have to have that conversation, but hey, such is wrestling. Yeah. On that uh, happy note, before we get to our, um, <laughs> our main... Uh, We've we kind of been leaving uh, AW to the end of the podcast a lot recently with a lot of other things going on, but we've got... Um, Got lots to say about AEW this week and thought it might be a good way to maybe get, get to them early on the show. But before we do, JP, we've, uh, we've actually got some uh, some news on that front, haven't we, about uh, a possible uh, a potential partnership there that we've got? We do. Um, we are we are partnering, at, us at Grapple, um, partnering with Fight TV, um, sort of in promotion for the uh, this weekend's AEW Revolution pay-per-view, which is obviously live on Fight Otherwise, why would they be mentioning it? It would make no sense. Um, 
And a few things I'm going to read out here verbatim because I, I can't just like blag this and make it, <laughs> make it sort of do this it. This is why naturally. we gave you this job, JP. Exactly. You can watch Revolution live on Fight TV <laughs> or on the Fight TV app at 1 a.m. on Sunday morning for $19.99. I don't know if that includes Fight Bucks. You like to think so. That'd be good. Um, if you're planning on watching Revolution, instead of going directly to Fight to order it, if you do want to help support us, um, the best way to do it is, and there'll be a link on the, the sort of show intros, and we'll be sending them out on social media. There's a link on the Grapple website, which is grappleapp.com. And if you click on the link for that, you can go to Fight, and a percentage of that comes back, goes to Grapple. So if you're a fan of this show and you like the app and you're going to order it, um, you know, we, we, you don't have to pay for this. Go and order it through through that. You know, be helping us out a bit as well, helping develop and, you know, sort of got big ideas of, of what we want to do in terms of the future as well. So, you know, help support that. Is that all right? Do you reckon that works? I reckon that works, Stephen. So, yeah, give it yeah. a go. Why not? Yeah, give have it a, a go. Yeah. You've done good there, Jake. What else are you doing on Saturday night? Put your money God where sakes. your mouth is. I'll be sleeping and watching in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that we've just gone on about our, our journalistic integrity and now we're, put, we're pushing on people to watch uh, the AW pay-per-view. If you're going to watch the AW um, pay-per-view. They should. It's been fucking awesome last <laughs> That's it. And I if feel you do, completely fine about hyping this. But, <laughs> mate, we're talking about promoters. We're on to my second favourite promoter and the second best promoter I've had a chat with in Tony Khan. What a man. <laughs> he sorted this ship out. He's got his product on fight on the weekend. Put your money where your mouth is. You're supporting the Grapple app. You're supporting us. You're supporting Gareth and all his hard work. And you're supporting Big Tone and the lads who made it themselves, independently made it by banking on themselves. And don't go near that WWE shine when they could have had big money offers. What more reason to order that pay-per-view? And after the last few weeks of build on that on the TV, Jesus Christ, I can't wait for the pay-per-view. Well, grappleapp.com slash support if you're going to do it. Uh, again, you know, percentage of the... If you do buy it, if you are planning on buying it, I'll be the neutral one. Uh, if you are planning on buying it, do buy it through there because it, it is a, a nice, uh, good kickback for uh, for Gareth and the hard work that he's doing on Grapple. Yes. So, support those guys too. Like I say, the app's, uh, the app's free. Uh, therefore, yeah, it would help uh, with the support and just development of the app in general. It won't cost you any more. So, yeah, if you're going to buy it anyway, buy it there, but... Yeah, you're right, Joe. I'm going to be getting it myself. I'm going to be away in Bratislava this weekend, but I'm definitely, definitely going to be watching this pay-per-view as soon as I can. Hopefully on the flight home, but maybe I'll uh, I'll take a break during the weekend to watch it because, my God, have they done a job of uh, convincing uh, the world to watch this thing and convincing me of... all. Remember all those complaints we had in December, maybe early January mm-hmm. about AEW, and we were spending loads of time on this podcast kind of going, ah, Tony Khan needs to grab this company by the scruff of its neck. Tell you what, these last couple of months he's done it. Mate, I tell you what, that Christmas break, I reckon he ate some yeah. great food, proper turkey at the Carn House that Christmas, if anything. You know, if I can afford it, you know, to think Oh, so. yeah, a good couple of turkeys, I imagine. You know, he lent the GT40 out, went for a ride of that on Christmas Day, <laughs> I imagine. Wind behind his air, and it inspired him. And, you know, that break, Everything's been great, if you ask me, since that break. That yeah. New Year's Day show, there was something that felt better. Mm-hmm. It felt tighter about the show in general. There was a kind of general spirit there that hadn't been there for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just carried on since then, if anything. There are guys that were kind of floundering, struggling a little bit, have really found themselves since, I think, as well. 
And I think the last two weeks of TV have been the best two weeks of TV of the show so far, if anything. Like, um, you know, it's going to be hard to sustain that level of momentum, especially when there's that that sort of time between pay-per-views. I understand that. There will be down periods, probably inevitably. But the last couple of weeks of TV, I've absolutely loved. And I've fully been with, I've watched the entire show. I've skipped nothing. And each segment has been really valuable and has really advanced storylines, feuds, and given genuine build to, for me, what looks like a great pay-per-view. Probably the most I've looked forward to a wrestling pay-per-view in a long time. Probably since All In, like the first All In, I would say, mm. if anything. Do you get reflected in the bars? Or do you think that, I, that they've got like a ceiling? I don't think they've got a ceiling per se. I, th- there's a very long-term way, I, I think, that this kind of needs to be approached. I'm not expecting the pay, pay-per-view buy to go sort of dramatically up from 100,000, which in and of itself is a really solid number. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's that's particularly bad at all. So I'm not expecting it to go up. I think the thing that kind of needs to happen is there will, like, you just produce shows at this level on a really consistent basis, and you just kind of hope that there's enough kind of, they've got enough momentum and they've got enough um, TNT behind them. So if they're able to promote it, I think you're going to see sort of slow, steady growth as much as anything else as, as these sort of stories come to culmination. If the pay-per-view does well, I'd expect that Wednesday show afterwards to do sort of a really good rating as well if coming out of it. And I've got no reason to doubt them because they've just, look, we have banged on about structure for this show, but they kind of seem to have got it down now. Like, not, like, there's nothing that kind of overstays its welcome. Mm. As Joe mentioned, just like no nightmare collective, the dark order has sort of become something very much on the outskirts and looks like it's just a case of, is it going to be Lance Archer? Or is it going to be Matt Hardy? That's what it appears to be. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of fine with that as it is. It will probably change the nature of what they are. If it's Matt Hardy, it'll become more of the kind of lower mid card comedy thing which is fine for what it should be. And I think the broken gimmick deserves that another run on that yeah. bigger, bigger scale that Vince was unwilling to give it because everything's about nostalgia and they had to pretend they were 20 years younger when, than yeah. they were when the Hardy Boys came back. And it was like we lived in a time warp. So I don't mind if it is then. But I just think as well, like several stories... You think on this show last week, mm. in that opener, that tag Battle Royal, mm. like, I don't like Battle Royals generally because it, it just feels like oh. there's no real kind of order or structure to a battle royal if it was random this was a battle royal where there was genuine thought put into it mm. there was an actual layout there the rules made sense there were sort of quite uh tense moments of anything there were real teases i love the way they managed to get matt jackson over as a, yeah. someone who can compete on his own as well going into that match i, I just thought it was a really really fun match where no one came out of it looking bad or looking like a geek Mm. And that's quite hard to do after a battle royal. Also with exactly the right result. That was the story. That was the match you wanted to see at the pay-per-view was the Bucks versus Omega and Page. And you get to it and it's fine. And in the and in the meantime, like like what they did with, with Matt Jackson in particular sort of really worked. And like you, I, I, I had a cracking time watching it. Mm. I watched this show. I watched the last show live because it's been half term. So I wasn't at work and I wasn't planning to watch all of it. But I just found myself just thinking, this is a really easy watch. And just sort of being able to go go through it, thinking, yeah, this is... Like, before I knew it, it was the cage match. And it's like, well, obviously, I'm going to be watching this as well. And, and 
and the whole thing, there's a really nice flow to it in general. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. I think the Nyla Rose, Chris Statlander build stuff, I, the Chris Statlander stuff with the, the you know, shit. the alien shit, which, you know, I know that people like to rip on Ross, but he's not wrong on this one, is he? Like, it's, it's no. fucking <laughs> nonsense. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, what are you going to do next? You're going to actually start to pretend that Luchasaurus is a dinosaur. You know, that that that's the kind of next sort of stage you go with that. So not everything is absolutely perfect, but people have come up really well. I think the Butcher and the Blade for a team that started off not particularly great have kind of grown together yeah, as I an act. I think they've got over as well. I yeah. think Butcher is He's yeah. only wrestled, really, has he? I think I should have looked at him as my Rookie of the Year for the Observer mm. Awards last year. I kind of regret that choice, in a way, to be honest with you. Because I think he can kind of handle himself. Like, yeah, yeah he's limited. But they book around his strengths, if anything, and look to put him in positions where he could improve as well. Mm. And I thought he had a good show in the Battle Royal, if anything, as well. I thought they made Luchasaurus look really good in that Battle Royal that battle as well. Royal was, that Battle Royal was great for everyone involved, wasn't it? Like, that was one of the best laid-out matches I've seen. Like, not yeah. even just this year, just in general. Like, think of how much of a cluster that sounds like a tag team Battle Royal. Think of how, like, how did TNA did it look, JP, when, like, all the teams were around the ring? It felt like we were going back to the uh, the old reverse Battle Royal days. So that's what we were in for i was worried for a moment but then when they all ran in i thought oh, that kind of oh. makes sense actually so i didn't i was like mm-hmm. okay i was fine i was fine with that and then mm-hmm. as it went on it was perfectly enjoyable i mean oh. to the point of how long have we been talking about this battle royal for right, exactly. <laughs> you know that's kind of suggesting actually this was something that was well worth watching yeah i just think of battle royals i can remember off the top of my head and nothing it's always coming to mind. Mm. And that tells you my thoughts on Battle Royals, generally. Mm. Also, I, I love that super kick on Sammy Guevara. Oh, my God, oh. he took his head off. Jesus that might Christ. be the best super kick I've ever seen. He should have just gone quiet for a week. You know, the way he's all over YouTube and Twitter and stuff. Like, Sammy Guevara should have disappeared because he was basic, basically dead off that thing. Jesus he Christ. was in Australia, wasn't he? And they thought he'd injured his foot or something along those lines. But, mm. um, my God, that how that bloke gets himself over as well the things that clearly frankly you're knocking around with chris jericho and you're picking up some really big tips on what to do and the subtle things Mate, to do as well if you're hanging around with the greatest of all time i feel like i've been hanging around with you for a good few years <laughs> and you know my sense of humor and comic timing has probably improved as a result of being in your company for the last few years luckily my oval team drinking habit hasn't ever started and hopefully won't start and i won't be going up in smoke anytime soon but <laughs> I've learned a thing or two, put it that way. And Sammy Guevara is hanging around with the greatest of all time. And yeah, what what a privilege to be hanging around with that bloke throughout, mm-hmm. you know, traveling town to town with him, if anything. Like being in a boat with him, like yeah. good on him, making the most of it and getting over as well. He's kind of found his calling in this almost like sort of semi-geeky playboy sort of role where he's got mm-hmm. that cockiness to him. He's like the Justin Bieber of the promotion. Mm-hmm. But everyone wants to see him get a slap every now and then. Yeah. And he doesn't really lose anything from it either. No, no. He's got that credibility there still. For sure. Uh, I mean, while we're talking tag teams, like I love the, the tag team Battle Royal, but... I loved Omega and Page against the Lucha Brothers as well. Like that thing, it was it was the definition of that type of match where you know you normally you're only ever really going to remember those last five minutes. But what a five minutes it was! Like the rest of the match was very good, but those last five minutes when Phoenix just started going insane and just started doing things that like human beings shouldn't be capable of. Like 
absolutely unbelievable timing. And throughout it as well, and towards the end, you got the continuation of the this great slow burn story they were telling with, with like with Kenny and uh, and with Hangman Adam Page, like Adam Page and Kenny, both two people who how much did we complain about their booking early on in AEW? Yep. Like Kenny was lost, Hangman Page was kind of lost. Like, this has just been great for them as well as, like, something to sink their teeth into. Again, like you said, JP, the obvious thing to do, to go to, to, to have them win a uh, set up the Young Bucks match as the, uh, the winners of the Battle Royal, but a, a continuation of just a, a well-told story and something that's given, you know, these wrestlers who are maybe a bit unfocused, something to focus on. Like, it's been a real highlight of Dynamite these last few weeks. Yeah, it has been. And, it, and it's, you know, funny enough, we've, mentioned last week about new japan doing a thing where they're they're taking a couple of kind of top what would be some of your top line stars and tagging them together mm. and here you've got a case of of putting two people together whose storylines have, have kind of were, were obviously floundering before they put together as well and about how worried we were about page and about the fact he was injured when aew first got onto tv as well and it wasn't that kind of momentum there and now i'm i'm like you'd argue that he's someone you, you're going to see him headlining a pay-per-view against a Jericho again in the next oh, yeah. year or so. His upward m- momentum at the moment yeah. is as good as it's sort of ever been, I think, and it may ever be. And I think they need to kind of yeah. really think about where they're going with this tag team. Because I think if they're to do the breakup on Sunday, Saturday, mm. be the worst thing at this moment. Because I think there's they've got momentum at the moment. Yeah, the storyline makes sense for them to lose to the Young mm-hmm. Bucks and then break up. But I think that they've got another pay-per-view cycle in them at this point in time. And uh, the further you go with them, the more that breakup's going to going to mean down the road. Sort of remind me like a, not style-wise, like a Hollywood Blonde-style tag team where mm. they sort of end up together, but they're sort of doing nothing as singles and not as over as singles. It works for both of them, and you don't want to see it end. But unfortunately, I've got a feeling it is going to end prematurely because of who they are as wrestlers and who Omega is especially. But I'm hoping he's got enough self-awareness to realise how over this team are mm. and where they go with this team if mm. they go along the right track. And the match will feel even bigger if they get to it in, say, nine months rather than three months. That'd be interesting because that's the thing with AEW. It's like, I think I'd 100% agree if there was another pay-per-view coming up next month. When is the next pay-per-view after this one? Is it like the three months uh, or so? Double or nothing. Yeah, but, but it's a little while away. But it's not that far, is it? You could you could certainly drag it out. You could you could tease it, couldn't you? And then do the rematch then, or, or do something else then. Uh, as as we've seen, AEW's been at the best when they've got something to aim for. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they they do have that to uh, to maybe aim for as a story point. It could work. Do a gimmick match at double or nothing. Mm, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, add a match or something. Mm, yeah, I'm I think there's some there's. There's more life in this feud yet than yeah. just this match. And, yeah, I don't want to see the team end because they're my favourite thing about the show. I love Cody and yeah. Jericho. My favourite thing about mm. the shows at the moment. It also makes the idea of the Bucks getting the title that little bit bigger if they're waiting that little bit longer as well. Because I know, mm. obviously, and that's one of the big benefits. If you look at who the pushed stars are, mm. they're the people who should be pushed. Like the Bucks Which should wasn't the case be at the start. There exactly they were putting over fucking what's the team called private party they put them over didn't they like we, oh, wanna, remember that remember private party they would think i could see the logic but it wasn't <sighs> it wasn't the best decision the logic was i would say it was solid but it was the idea of actually we need to get these guys kind of over and established and it was like 
but you don't need to lose to them, though. You yeah. don't need to do that type of stuff. I think he was being too worried about criticism as well. He was, wasn't he? About booking themselves. themselves strong, but not sort of realising the context mm. to say a Hogan or a Nash booking themselves strong compared yeah. to these guys in the prime of their careers. Yeah. And establish themselves as, uh, as the stars, you know, to the TV audience who maybe don't know who they are. I think all of that was kind of kind of lost, but I think that that's a big thing to get right is that placing these guys in the prominent roles. It's no coincidence, you know. They ran that brilliant uh, advert for the uh, for the, the wrestling figures they're making of, of them all, the action mm. figures, and it was all of these dudes. Oh, it was it was Cody, it was the books, it was Kenny, because it needs to be because they're the ones that are going to sell, and they're the guys you want to focus on. Even Jericho uh, mm. with his toy as well, I thought was a really nice little moment there as well. Like. Think how many Chris Jericho toys there are out there. <laughs> yeah. He seemed to be absolutely loving this one. I saw he was at a toy fair on Saturday as well, mm. looking at AEW toys, having a great old time. Oh, yeah. He loves being an A. He, he's loving being around all these young kids and being like the uh, the veteran. Uh, probably inside, he's thinking, oh, great, another figure. But because it's AEW, he's excited, and I love that about it. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a great little segment on the show. Like talking to getting like new, young guys over and getting you know stars over the right way. Darby Allen on this show. My God, that mm. pop when he oh, came out. That was like, I'd heard about it before I watched it because unfortunately, uh, well, in work this week, unfortunately, JP, I couldn't stay up and uh, watch it. But I did watch it the morning after with my you know cheap plug, my Fight TV subscription for AEW. Uh, I put it on knowing that he was going to get a huge pop. And it, and it was like twice as loud as even I expected. Like, they they have got that this lad over. I was critical about how. Remember when he had the he disappeared off TV for like a month after that great Cody match, and it was a mm. bit like, ah, come on, lads. He had a bit of a momentum here. Don't, don't mess around. I don't mind you cycling people in and out, but like, come on, you you need to capitalize while someone's hot. In this case, they took him off TV, kind of, but they had those videos ongoing. You know, he was kind of always bubbling under. He's had, you know, a couple of great TV matches. And then he came out here as like the one of the biggest stars in the building. And would you have imagined you'd be saying that about Darby Allen this soon into AEW's run? Yeah, do you think he regrets leaving Evolve? <laughs> uh, if you see any interviews with him, he really doesn't. He's got no problem sticking the knife in on Gabe, uh, basically saying he killed himself for nothing on those those Evolve shows that he was on. All those, all those WrestleMania weekends wasted, mm. all those all those years and bumps wasted for poor Darby Allen. Uh, he wasn't the uh, the type of to be a t- chasing one of those Mark WWE contracts that uh, that Gabe waves in front of everybody. And thank God he didn't, because let's be honest, he'd be on that Largo loop right now. <laughs> he'd be nowhere near that, that NXT TV show, and they certainly would be put in a disposition. Like, if you'd have told me two years ago, watching Darby Allen and Evolve over a WrestleMania weekend, that this is where Darby Allen would be now, and I thought he was bloody good when, he, mm-hmm. when I did see him in Evolve occasionally. You remember he had a great match with Zack Sabre Jr. in Evolve? I'd be absolutely shocked, but my God, is he connected in a mm. big, big way. Tell you what, as well, when his music hit, it was the presence he came out of as well, and the yes. way he held the crowd, the way he presented himself. He's kind of got it. Like, yeah, he kind of understands it. He understands what his role is as well, and I love that attack as well. Some of those skateboard spots are so unique and oh, yeah. stand out so much. To the knee. Yeah, it's yeah. quite hard to innovate as a character in wrestling. 
but man, he's found a way to innovate with that skateboard, and it really, really works. So it, it helps as well, doesn't it? That his song's brilliant. Like I love that. Oh That's yeah, a, yeah. One yeah. of the best themes in AEW. And you're right, he comes. And they do love uh, doing that lights off, lights on thing. Like when they did it, I thought Sean Spears was going to come out, uh, but it worked here, didn't it? For the moment, I think I read the Observer this week. That was a uh, that was a big tone idea, and I'll take that. Uh, these li- these little things that he's uh, he's given to the show at the moment. But yeah, I thought he was great. I thought they used him really well, and you know they did you know the last bit of build. Obviously, there's still this week's TV to go for for Moxley and Jericho really well. Thought they used Jeff Cobb as like the monster of the week. Uh, I thought mm. that that was great. I think they, it felt like you know I I can't see him being in, in AW maybe long term or maybe maybe it'll be a couple of dates. Maybe he'll come back in future. But they set up things there as well because you could easily see him coming back as like the the baby face against Inner Circle at some point. They protected them off. I mean, I suppose at the point that that you could still do something. They didn't just throw him in there and have him get beat uh, by Moxley. They, they they did something that yeah okay Moxley needs to get over, but they worked to Cobb's strength as well. I thought the use of him was perfect on this show. Yeah, it, we saw him used quite tw- well twice in a in the space of a week really between <laughs> this and the how he was used at high stakes as well in terms of uh, getting over Dan Maloney. Um, it was it was good for this. I mean, I know he's booked for the New Japan Cup, so he'll be away. But I think like it was a point I'd heard made that the way that he lost it in terms of it, it was the superplex into the cradle that they managed to do. So it suggested that it was keeping him strong for that. And... I think there's, you know, there's stuff that they'll be able to do with him in the mid card. Really, I don't ever. Th- he wouldn't necessarily be that top guy, but the way they like to build up their boss villains. I mean, God, this company's managed to get me interested into Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. Really, in a way, where I'm genuinely intrigued to see it. So, like their presentation of Jeff Cobb for this was, this was how you should do it. It really mm. was. And and they kept him strong in there as well. And I imagine there's going to be a bit of goodwill. I could see the scenario where he see he basically does his own thing, does New Japan as well, the cup. See if there's anything being offered. I can imagine if he's not doing G one, he'll end up signing. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably. It. Or you know maybe he'll do something where he gets to work both. Maybe mm. he'll be what somebody along the lines of that. Or let's be honest, he didn't have a great G one last time. That's true. Yeah, he fit better in somewhere like AEW. Based on this show, I think he probably would. He looks in good shape as well. Mm. Like, uh, you know, he, he was not like he was in bad shape before, but he certainly looks like a lot more kind of, like, just physically fit. Definitely. But yeah, I thought that was a highlight of the show. And, you know, we're burying the lead. And I do think it was maybe, the minor criticism, I'd say, is like doing... Moxley against the Big Bad Monster and Cody versus the Big Bad Monster on the same show. I would have maybe mm-hmm. timed them to be on different shows, but that's, you know, minor criticism because both were great. And my God, was Cody Wardlow another great example of that? Like, Cody Rhodes, like, I, these crowds live and die for him. I live and die for him. I'm watching this show like 24 hours later in my bedroom and I'm screaming for Cody. Like, did you imagine Cody Rhodes at this run in him? I was like this, this top baby face and this like, this, he belongs at the top of these cards. Like I thought, he was absolutely phenomenal in this in this cage match as far as like smoke and mirrors go, and just generally is working with a bit of a a big lump of a lad, but a big lump who has a bit of a potential. I'm sure this was absolutely the Cody Rhodes show, and I was sad that the the, uh, the rating they they drew. I think it was below the nine hundred thousand. I was kind of hoping like this is the the well built big cage match would would do a little bit better than it did. 
But yeah, Cody for me is as much as I enjoy Jericho, he's been the highlight of AEW so far. And I thought this was just a absolute home run of a main event segment and everybody paid the role absolutely perfectly in this one. Yeah, they did. And do you know what? That that gift, that clip of him doing the, oh. the moonsault from the cage is gonna be something that's gonna be all over everything they push now. That's kind of like I would say iconic moments necessarily, but that's only one of the bigger moments oh, yeah, they've no, had as a company. Yeah, they can use that for years that, as a form of promotion. It's Elix Skipper that's on the cage, problem. JP. <clears throat> yeah, it with is. More emotion. <laughs> with and more emotion. With more with more emotion. And you know, I watched this. I, I was kind of expecting Wardlow to be green and athletic, and the rest he was kind. I was, I was somewhat pleasantly surprised. He's obviously like not ready to be kind of working big main events, and the rest. Did of he it. look better than say Sid in War Games in '91? That's what I was thinking. I thought he did. Yeah, think yeah. about how clumsy Sid looks in that yeah. game. Whereas yeah, I thought that Wardlow was like a bit more polished than that. Yep, he was. He has good presence about him as well. I mean, it's just going to take time. I mean, it's funny because they don't do house shows and they shouldn't be doing house shows. But if they were doing them, it'd be like a case where him, him and MJF would be doing tags against Cody and Dustin Rhodes, like on a loop for kind of months back in the day in order to kind <laughs> of build him up. And I'm, you know, ever since like Mr. Hughes and Diesel and that, I've always been fond of that kind of, and Batista, obviously, that kind of big enforcer, quiet enforcer, who doesn't say much, but the point when they do actually turn, it turns into a big deal. Hmm. I'm, you know, for like, I think he had like a, a, a really good performance for someone of his experience level. Cody's just an absolute star. They live and die. The blade job looked like a kind of quite, like kind of sedate blade job as well. Hmm. He didn't look kind of like very really nasty in the rest of it. Obviously, aren't going to kick off. Nah, they're not going to kick off about this as well. They've just invested, what, 45 million a year into them. So, mm. like, they would have got approval for it. It's not something they're going to be doing on a regular basis. They're not doing Shayna Baszler biting the back of Becky Lynch's fucking head off. Oh, they're the Blood and Guts promotion, JP. That's AEW, yeah. Blood and Guts. That's them. They had cannibalism on there, Shayna. <laughs> no fucking position. Yeah, as well as the company's done necrophilia. Um, there we go. Well, the, one of the was he the COO of the company has done necrophilia. Yeah, mm. and that's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought I don't know. What did you guys think about it? I it. also I like the emotion there. I thought that was great. The smoke and mirrors were for this style of match. Yeah, exactly what it should have been. I liked the stuff of Arn Anderson and MJF as oh. well. Like they played off the sort of Arn Anderson dusty moment yeah. from years before. You know, it's not a reference everyone's going to get. But those that do get it, there's a little kind of sort of almost like Easter egg there, if anything, with that. Mm. I thought MJF was great on the outside as well. Yeah. Played his role incredibly well. I think you say about not the 900,000, Benna. Yeah, it would have been nice if it got up to that million mark. But, mm. you know, that's still no number to be uh, disappointed with. I think that's still a very good number. Just to be under a million mm. for that segment on the show. It's not as if, like, how many segments on AEW have done over a million? It's so Jericho, far? isn't it? Yeah, mm. and I know that opening showed it 1.4, and if they slowly build a bit more momentum, you hope they can maybe mm. crawl up. Because I don't know what people are doing watching NXT, and there's about six, seven hundred thousand of them watching NXT while this shit's going on. <laughs> actually, kind of means something, you know. Mm. What I'll also say as well is I love the fact that he just pinned it with a moonsault. Yeah. He hit the moonsault, yeah, and that was it. And it yeah. was like, yes, like. It After almost, he kicked out the crossroads yeah. as well, which protects him. But it feels like it could be like an ultimate finish of a Cody yeah. in this sort of match. If Cody ends up in a cage again, you can play off of that oh, moment. Will. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you can play off of that moment. Does he miss it at some point? Or is it like this great move that finishes someone off whenever he hits it? Kind of like his burning hammer, possibly. Mm. It used to be Shawn Michaels' secondary finish in his 1996 run. Nice moonsault. You could do that. It could work. I think Cody, if anyone's going to get over it, it's Cody. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. I, I, I think for me as well, I like the... I'm kind of split on the, you know, I like their their cage design. Like I thought that was cool, mm-hmm. like the, the big tall cage and allowing them to do that big moonsault off. I kind of like them going back to the old school. You've got a pin or submit in the middle of the cage. Although the kid in me did enjoy like the escape the cage WWE uh, trope. Oh, I, I like the I, climb over, but I never oh like going through the door. Going through the door was always kind of anticlimactic, and you had like I think only Owen and Brett made that spot work. Like Agreed. everyone else, it just I was about to say that. Yeah, I, 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 I think there was that um, ROH match Justin Aries against called Cabana, where Aries literally did oh, a yeah. suicide dive out the cage. They're the two times it logistically made sense. It never yeah. made sense otherwise. I didn't mind going over the top, to be honest, Joe. I was like that as a kid. Maybe it was just I like the big blue bar cage and I like watching people climb it. Uh, but I do I appreciate that the they're putting their own stamps on things like this. JR's getting a bit salty on commentary about this is the way cage matches are supposed to be, and they're just setting themselves up, aren't they, as different and not just following the WWE rulebook. Yeah, look, cage matches I absolutely hate. Um, along with lots of other things I hate about tables wrestling. matches, ladder I, matches. I can deal with a tables match. Ladder matches, you know, I, I like a ladder match over the years. I think you know mm. it's quite hard to innovate in a ladder match these days. I'm not sure, you know oh. what new things can happen in ladder matches you know we've basically seen everything but mm. a cage match i just i just hate because i often find it constrains the two wrestlers in the match i often find that they don't work to the gimmick i often find i get really bored in them and they just play the same tropes over and over again climbing how how much fun is lots of climbing <laughs> during the match at least in ladder matches, there are better way. There are more ways and more variety around the ladder. I think Brett and Owen are the only two people that have made an escape the cage mm. match work that I can think of on the top of my head. Um, and I'm so glad that they've established these rules from day one. And they've kind of actually thought, right, this is what the match is. And this is why the match is happening. And it's going to have purpose and it's going to have a reason to exist. Not just that WWE shite where it's just like, yeah, cage match for whatever reason. And yeah, you can just climb out the cage. Because I've seen so many shit cage matches, and this was a nice relief to see something that felt fresh and that felt that it had an actual story that they can mm. play off of in the match, if anything. And when, you, when next time they do a cage match, you know they're going to deliver. You know what you're in for. And yeah, they've established it now. So yeah, I thought it was great. We thought about last week, you were saying, Joe, you thought it might be the best AEW TV show. Was this better? I feel like this might have been even better. I don't know. They've got, a, they've got a few contenders now. Yeah, I think the the best two weeks of the television, I've got to say, like, mm. those last two weeks, I've come out of it on a, on a high mm. after watching it, and that's how I want to feel after wrestling. The amount of times I've watched a wrestling show from that pile of shite, and I've come out of it just kind of angry. Look at my reaction to Matt Riddle and the Royal Rumble, you know. I, I almost hate that I get that angry talking about something <laughs> that has no, you know, impact on my life or anyone around me's life and you know it's not like anger that i'm gonna go over and be like seething and be in a bad mood for the rest of the. you just vent and get out yeah yeah it's just a sort of like straight yeah yeah yeah, exactly um but yeah i don't come out of these shows feeling like shit Hmm. and feeling bad about wrestling i feel encouraged i feel like the guy at the top kind of has a similar vision of wrestling to what i kind of have as well Mm. And that's quite nice because, let's be honest, on a mainstream platform, 
has anyone ever had a similar vision to how I feel and how we feel about wrestling? I don't think they have, the more I think about Just it. Just Andy Cumit. Not on a mainstream platform, really, though, is yeah. he? Yeah, unfortunately. Should be. Isn't. <laughs> Maybe that's to do with the camera work, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bring that up later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking to my favourite promoters. Um, but yeah, it, this is long may this continue. And, you know, I'm really psyched to watch this on Sunday as well. And I'm even more psyched that the, the brand that we represent is tied into the Fight TV deal for this pay-per-view as well. What a what a pleasure. What a joy that is. Yeah. <laughs> what a segue, Joe. It is, yeah. And, you know, if you want to support us uh, and support Gareth and support Grapple in general, grappleapp.com slash support. That's where uh, the place would be to, to order this pay-per-view. And, yeah, and, you know, it's genuine too. We are genuinely excited about this thing. Like, just looking at that card, MJF, Cody, Kenny and Page against the Bucks. Whoever thought you'd be excited about Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes, yeah. Jericho and Moxie for the title. Uh, I think they they added the the Derby match today, didn't they? Uh, I think that got added today. Uh, yeah, Darby Allen and uh, Sammy Guevara. Like that. That's a well rounded card, and yeah, I'm definitely definitely excited to be watching it myself. Any other thoughts on the card in general? Uh, yeah, is there one person I've really enjoyed the last few weeks of TV and the changing character is Britt Baker? Oh yeah, yeah. I thought she might have had a match on there, possibly. You know, I'm not l- loving her in ring, but I've got to say, the changing character is great. I love the Shivani stuff. The skinny latte yeah. was a great <laughs> little troll job this week. Yeah. Like, that really did make me laugh. And then when she was talking about the cream on top and all the rest of it, like, the, the way they're using Shivani is really good. And the fact that Tone's kind of just going along with it, and he's allowing the fact he worked at Starbucks to be used as a way to get heat on a character and create sympathy for him. Good on the man. Mm. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it's just a, it's a way to, they, they've done a great job these last few weeks of kind of realigning, you know, the the bad parts of the show. And one of the big yeah. bad parts of the show was the women's division. Another big bad part of the show was Brandy Rhodes in general and the kind of hair being shoved back into Cody's, Cody's corner. But in a natural feeling way, you know, she was sympathetic to her husband and she's just been moved over to that now. Uh, like even like the Dark Order, they feel like they've been lessened on the show. You know, they, they appear in the crowd and I love that little Easter egg raven sat in the background oh, oh god <laughs> and I, th- I think they're going to be i feel like they're going to be going a different direction with dark order like whoever the leader is whether it be matt hardy or i think i saw sammy callahan rumored today uh, oh. lance hoyt is another potential person uh, christopher daniels raven himself i think i think we're moving in a different direction even with that so i think they're doing a good job of like realigning these parts and just doing something a bit more interesting and listening to the feedback like how much do you shout into the void about wwe and nothing ever mm. changes i think at least with aw the one thing you can say is when people have been vocal about something being bad on the shows it might have taken them a little bit of time but they've course corrected in most instances and outright drop things and others yeah they have they've got that element of of thinking above what they might particularly enjoy themselves and, and actually thinking what about is best for the overall product. And it results in a really good TV show that's worth watching. And on that ratings front, I mean, I just think as I said, six months before at the start, I think we'll have a better idea, but a time we're kind of going into that double or nothing show of really where they are in terms of their, their ratings and then possibly how that's going to end up affecting their pay-per-view business. But yeah, watch this. This looks like it's going to be a cracking show. Definitely. And if you do, grappleup.com slash support. Yeah. It is appreciated. Uh, what should we talk next, lads? Do you want to talk some New Japan? Some Rev Pro? What would you like to hear about? talk about next? 
Uh, do you want to go on to my my favourite promoter's promotion? Oh, go on. Second favourite promoter's promotion. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so I rewatched the uh, Zach Osprey match. I haven't been able to watch the full show, unfortunately. So I haven't found the time uh, mm. to get the full show in. Um, I wanted to rewatch the ELP Oku match as well, because I did really enjoy that on the night as well. But yeah, rewatching the Zach Osprey match, got to say for it. That match was even better than I remembered it was. <laughs> yeah. Watching it back, it really was a stunning match. And on the night, I, I thought it was a little bit better than the New Japan match a couple of weeks before. It was considerably better, if you ask me. That added emotion, the references to some of the previous matches as well, the Yorkle crowd kind of urging them on, kind of just wanting a good match to top off what had been a great mm-hmm. show. And there was an emotion sort of in the arena. There was an emotion from Osprey throughout the match as well. Some of the exchanges between these guys, I, I'm trying to think of two guys who've got better chemistry in wrestling at the moment, and they might be the combination I enjoy watching more than any other combination in wrestling at this moment in time. Um, yeah, it is an absolutely amazing match. Have any, either of you guys watched it back at all? I've watched back to the match on uh, New Japan World, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I started re-watching the show, but I haven't got to the match yet. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like I think it's one of mm-hmm. the best matches that I've seen in this country ever. If you ask me, like there's a there's a couple up above it. I'd still put the Osprey Marty match from 2016 above it in terms of the impact it had and the kind of um, focus it put on the British scene and the attention it got both men and got the scene. Um, and I'd probably put the likes of say McGuinness Danielson above it as well. But there aren't that many others when I when I really think about mm. it that I'd put above this. I think honestly, second possibly third best match in Yorkle history. I think Ishii Keith Lee would give it a mm. run for its money. Mm. I think uh, Ishii Chris Hero might give it a bit of a run for its money as well. But we're talking like like minor things. Yeah. Like it, There's nothing between those matches, really. And the sort of added aspect of this being for the belt and being Osprey's crowning moment and stuff like the speech at the end just really, really mm. added to it. Oh. Now, the one thing I'd say for me that did take away slightly from it is, I've got to say, the production of it was unacceptable. Like, I yes. still enjoyed the match a hell of a lot, but the production stood out so much. I hadn't watched a Rev Pro show uh, back in a while. I think the last one I watched back was the David Starr El Fantasmo match, which was May last year. And, man, the production is... In 2020, yeah. you, you can't yeah. be producing a show with those kind of production values. Like, basic things like framing, editing... Like the framing of the entranceway wasn't even the center of the shot. <laughs> and the camera was like moving during Osprey's entrance and not in a good way. Like it's little basic things like that that really do need to improve because I feel like the production is not at a level that shows that kind of due respect to the level of this match, if anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, welcome. The level of production th- this show kind of deserves to have. And that is a problem, and I really do think it does need to be addressed in some way, to be honest. I was going to say, Joe, welcome to my world. Like, how many times have you guys yeah. gone to a show and been really yeah. excited to talk about it on the podcast? And you go, Benno, what did you think? And I'm like, yeah, uh, it, was, it was fine, but <laughs> it's just a really... It, following RevPro from afar is a can be a genuinely, like, just unenjoyable experience. Like, you can watch it, and you can know what's happening in front of you. It's one of the best matches in the world. Like... Like Osprey Zack Saber sounds like it come come across on tape, but having to sit through that production, having to sit, it's it's the camera work, it's the cameramen shooting their own feet in the floor at times. It's like 
stuff that you wouldn't expect in like mid 2000s indies like just it, uh, the cameras themselves are better i mean the, the bit of the show i saw the hard cam looked great it was just everything else and it was the editing and it was the way that you know the, the camera because it's basically trainees isn't it like how it's contenders it's, hold these yeah. these cameras and it just it's just it's embarrassing and it does make the shows a tough watch add to that the sound's not always great i don't no, mind the, the volume of the commentators was was Andy well, and Andy are feedback. better now. They're, getting... hit, they're hitting like the levels so yeah. high. Yeah. yeah, and that comes from me, and I do that on my mic a lot too. And I try and tune that down oh, yeah. for the podcast. But again, you know, like as far as putting across like a professional production, like I, again, I don't mind Andy and Andy as a commentary team. I used to hate them. I used to think they were terrible, and it was just in jokes and nonsense. I kind of like their in jokes and nonsense now, so maybe that's part of it. But they are better commentators now, I think, and they know when to let the action breathe. But again, when they're screaming over it and when the levels are as off as they are, it makes it harder to enjoy, doesn't it? And it just makes it just feel low budget. Like, weren't you watching, like, some boxing from York Hall the other day, JP? Like, the... Well, yeah. I watched uh, it as well. I can imagine yeah. the difference. Exactly. Rock and roll Saturday night. Um, had watching. It was on ITV, but it was also on BT Sport as well. They were simulcasting it. And it was the presentation of York Hall. And I've been to watch boxing in York Hall like many years ago, sort of near like early 2000s. And so uh, it's been a long time since I'd seen um, like a boxing card from York Hall. And I was just, the only real reason wasn't necessarily because of the boxing itself, although it was just on. It was more to see how, how it looked. And it was interesting because the hard cam they use is a camera that's over the entranceway. Hmm. So the thing that it captures is the hall itself. Whereas having the hard cam on the other side, you kind of miss the entire balcony. You don't get any aspect of that. And they were able to... Sh- now, obviously, it's ITV, you know, multi-million dollar operation. They've got there as well. But they managed to put put the the um, the camera, the hard cam over that entranceway. They had all sort of um, banners draped over the balcony as well. And that... That made it look yeah, good. Yeah, it's just a little bit of production value it yeah. has, doesn't it? Yeah. It made it look like there was a big crowd because you could see that that crowd sat at the top of the balcony as you go up the stairs in, into York Hall as well. It, it Also, at the same time, it was mainly the hard cam they used. They trust the hard cam. And, you know, again, I can think I remember us saying this possibly like a year, two years ago. about It's like, trust your hard cam. You set that up. That kind of should be your main shot that you cut to. When in doubt, you've got this, you've got a good solid shot there, and yet you may not get their faces all the time. I've got issues with the editing, the way that it kind of cuts back to it's like the cameraman on the on the outside at the ring at the ringside. It's like they're focused in too far because they say they really want to capture the moves. The problem is you've got Will Ospreay in there for fuck's sake. He's gonna move about. So when he moves about quickly, they're moving as well. So then that becomes disorientating. And there comes a point where it's like you can't do that. You may be able to do that on smaller shows that you've got going because you can't viably have like a professional camera uh, camera crew there. But why not, for those shows, get proper cameramen in there, get them to use things like gimbals just to be able yeah, to kind yeah. of keep the camera stable, but, make the yeah, shots flow. That's the big thing for me. That's what the videographers at Riptide use. And if you notice, and you'll know, Ben, because you've seen a, a fair whack of Riptide as mm. well, they don't cut away all of the time. They're not obsessed with it. It's just like, leave that Kevin Dunn shite out of the way. Look, I'm not saying I Fucking want idiot. Riptide style production value. It wouldn't that's, work that's for their this USP. at all. Yeah. 
But I like one of the big things for me is the jerky handheld camera work that feels like it's almost like a guerrilla filmmaking piece. It feels mm. like it's some sort of like documentary. It's not like, fucking mumblecore, is it? <laughs> which, which it isn't. It's Will yeah. Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, I know that the budgets are tight. I understand that completely. But I sort of think to myself, you know, you need a couple of stabilizers in there. You need mm. something to make that camera work that little bit smoother, have a smoother motion. And you need need a couple of pros in there and you need an editor. Like, my, I said to JP mm. before, right, how much did it cost to fly, say, Jeff Cobbin for this match and to pay him for the night? I, I don't know. Was his flight 700, 800 quid, say? What's his fee? A grand, 1.2, 1.3? I don't know. Let's, so let's say 1.5 to 2 grand, right? If you look at some equipment online, mm-hmm. you, you can get equipment in for that cost. I don't know. How much is it going to cost to get a live vision mixer in there as well, possibly, to mix the show? I know that G-Man fella bounces around the scene doing stuff. Like, it's just maybe sacrificing mm. one import yeah. to improve the production quality. And you know what? I like Jeff Cobb, Dan Maloney. But was Jeff Cobb essential to the card on that night? He wasn't. If you'd have swapped him out to get someone else in... Uh, to, on the to get people mm. on the production side of things, I reckon that would be money better spent personally. And I know that there might be other costs involved in that as well, and maybe I'm being a little bit idealistic with that, but it really does need well, to be addressed. How do you capitalise on shows like this? Yeah. At that point, you just become a... You know, we don't talk about Mega Slam wrestling on this podcast. They draw 1,200 people, but no yeah. one's going to watch it worldwide. Rev Pro, the point that the, the reason they're like one of the four... You know the the people at the forefront of, of British wrestling is that you want the world to see it, don't you? You know that like that, that yeah. it's where travels about how great this match was. Meltzer's talking about it. You're seeing it reviewed on like Voices of Wrestling. G- mm. Gave it the gave it gave it the full five. Yeah, the match on your call. You gave three and a half five. by modern standards. <laughs> I'll take it. He gave it. What did he give it? Kingston Park two. Fair enough. To be honest, I reckon that was one for the building, oh. wasn't it? Like I saw people moaning about yeah. that, but you you know I can imagine watching that on VOD, especially with this. VOD not being the best experience. To be fair, I think that the biggest loser tonight, he gave um, the uh, OQL Phantasmo 4.25, which, like you say, JP, an old money. That's a great record. Yeah, but it melts his money now. Is that not a gentleman's three? Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, think, I, think, I think we're over. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Oku was buzzing about the fact he, he was, got 4.25 from him. Yeah, good on the left. And he's had, a, he's had a lot of press, a lot of talk about him this week, a lot of people saying about best super juniors. I think that's too I mean, soon. Early. I think it's a year too early. I think it's good, but I would like to see him as someone who is working with some of the juniors that they came out. Let's say an El Desperado, mm. for yeah. example. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be kind of ideal for a for a title defense. Someone like a show. I'd love to yeah. see him for a sh- mm. for a sh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Rocky nice Romero. Thing, oh yeah, I think that's a you know, that'll happen. I yes, see that. That, those are kind of that, like it's that at the moment. This isn't something necessary to be rushed, but you know you want him to be on the radar. But still, at the same time, he's a young lad and he's filling out as well at the same time. But um, I haven't gone back and watched that. I know that the, one of the big things you watched that match, didn't you, Benno? Uh, Oku Fantasmo. Oku Oku Fantasmo. I was there with you, mate. Oh no no no! But you watched it back on the VOD. <laughs> no, I haven't got that far yet. Uh, I, I was watched, pissed, I was... mate. Not that pissed. I remember <laughs> you being there. Oh, there's, uh, there's been shows at York Hall where I've been so pissed I had to rewatch it back before we reviewed yeah. it on this podcast. <laughs> many many times, my guy. But there there was you know on the VOD apparently the the pop was absolutely enormous. Oh, I'm and, looking forward to get into that bit. 
And it's one of the things that you kind of always think to yourself that if you had that moment and it was filmed, well, I don't know, mm. obviously we banged on about it. That becomes an easy clip to put out on YouTube of Oku wins the title. Look at the crowd after the match. The problem is you can't capitalize on that stuff if it doesn't look great. And if it looks low rent, people will assume it's low rent. You know, this is a different era. This is this is the point where digital media and access to software and equipment is it's kind of more open at any point in time than it ever has been. Hmm. They're also based on the South Coast. It's like the home of media studies as a subject. You think of the amount of people who would be trained and have degrees come out of university around there who they might be able to get in there. You'd imagine there's lots of local local businesses Solon as well. Solon Uni, Ports of Uni, you if know. they could establish a relationship with maybe a media department. I know that's easier said than done. You know, I, I, I think run, we're wanting to put this together, aren't we? Really? I run a <laughs> fucking media course at a college. Yeah, it's yeah. not quite a university, but, you know, if you fancy some camrops, I'll send some decent <laughs> stuff. I've got plenty of ex-students looking for work who would do it for cheap to put something on their CV as well. Yo, you could be the British full sale. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. Me and JP. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, there are people out there who could do this, who qualify to do this and have got experience doing this sort of thing. It, need, it does need to happen at this point in time, if anything. And I think one of the things that was really in my mind when I was watching Zach Osprey, I was thinking, this is the hottest match that has happened on the uh, European scene since Star versus Devlin, right? Mm. And look at the production values of Star vs. Dead. Yeah. Look yeah. how big time it looks. You can proudly put that on YouTube. Absolutely. Can you do and that I, with this? Yeah. And I was thinking, like, I know it's in Ireland, but who is mixing this OTT stuff, right? Who's editing this, okay? Mm. Who are the camera ops, right? How much do they cost to fly in, okay? I know equipment can be quite expensive to fly in. How much does that cost to hire? Like, is this stuff that's worth budgeting? Do you need to almost get, like... Uh, I don't know, like um, someone in to work on the production. You need to get a production manager in, possibly. Mm. Like, you're getting freelance for a show to work on this well, That's what WXW had with, like, a Dennis Burke and Hulk. Yeah, I know those guys yeah, worked yeah. their asses off, didn't they? And worked all sorts of hours. So it's quite hard to get to that level. I appreciate that completely. Yeah. But, yeah, I just I just wanted to look more mm. professional and worthy of what it, what yeah, what it is. Was. Yeah. You know they could fund it, Joe? Rumours abound and for another Copperbox show this year. I believe that's how I didn't Andy say it as podcast. That's how they paid for uh, some of these cameras, uh, yeah. the new cameras they've got. Maybe that'll uh, that'll be a nice bit of money in his back pocket if that comes true. Uh, I'm glad that's the case. Like uh, it looked like this year we weren't getting another uh, another New Japan show in the UK, and my terrible decision not to travel to the Copperbox last year was going to continue to haunt me. That'd be great if that happens uh, this year and we get another uh, New Japan show in the UK. And yeah, maybe uh, Andy who can fund some of these endeavors. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm feeling a lot more positive about Rev Pro than it was in the last mm. year. And, you know, that's production values aside. I think they're booking consistent shows. They're putting on lots of shows around different parts of the country that they're going into at this point in time. And there's a more consistent roster there at this point mm. as well. It feels like they've established that roster a yes. little bit. So I'm quite happy yeah. with that. You know, uh, one thing I'll say as well to add to the end of the uh, to the sort of conclusion of the match is I rewatched Osprey's promo at the end as well. I've got to say. What promo? Yeah, it was great, great promo. Like Osprey's promos are unpolished and raw, but that's what makes them great because it's all from the heart and it's all genuine. And he is what we see out there. And you know what? Osprey is a man who has received a lot of criticism. 
from certain quarters for Osprey, Osprey the man, Osprey the person, right? And I just think to myself, imagine, right? One thing I heard when he was making this speech is someone, he said something about being stupid and someone shouted out to me, like, I've seen your tweets. Oh, fuck my, off. My thought yeah. at that moment in time was, do one, shut up, take your mind out of Twitter, right? And it got me thinking, right, when I was watching this promo. So I was thinking, in the last couple of weeks, we've had some terrible stuff happening in the UK. You had the whole Caroline Flack incident mm-hmm. with the suicide. And I was thinking, remember those people that tried to cancel Will Ospreay? Do you remember the people that tried to get Will Ospreay cancelled? Because he said a few little things that made you feel a bit uncomfortable on Twitter that you didn't like too much. Imagine if they got Will Ospreay cancelled. Imagine if we didn't get this moment. Imagine if Will Ospreay right now wasn't a wrestler and was getting booed in buildings because he made a few controversial comments that were barely controversial on Twitter that you didn't like because you lived in this insular little world online where you like to play the victim constantly and call people out for things that don't really matter fundamentally in the real world, but it furthers your own victim narrative and makes you look good amongst a few little small people who also like to invest in victimhood online. And I was thinking to myself, thank God most of those people are fucked off and thank God they're gone because Will Ospreay was not cancelled. And to my knowledge, not many wrestlers were cancelled because this culture of cancelling people is toxic, it's disgusting, it's vile, and it needs complete reassessment. It's illiberal. It's completely illiberal. My thought on it was the type of people that were going around doing this were people that were joining little sex in British wrestling. I've given that PW girl gang a lot of criticism in here before. And, you know, people have probably criticised me for that and tried to claim that I'm things that I'm not. The reason I was criticising them was because they were the kind of people that were in, ex, involved in that cancel culture bollocks. Not everyone. That's, that's half to say it was everyone. There were people who I met who were genuinely nice people who weren't about that shite. But there are a lot of people, influential, loud voices amongst that group of people who were getting off and calling people out and trying to cancel people and trying to make British wrestling as idealistic as possible to suit their narrative. And they were trying to constantly play victims of this and get the likes of Osprey, a man that grew up in a working class family in Essex, cancelled because he didn't think in the exact same way as them. And that was unfair and that was ultimately tragic. And thank God they fucked off. Because they're, they're the equivalent of what I would call digital vigilantes, right? Say the vigilantes I like, Gene Hackman in The French Connection, <laughs> Charles Bronson in Death Wish, Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, proper vigilantes. Those films aren't very woke. Go watch them films. Popeye Doyle in The French Connection, a film made 49 years ago, an Oscar-winning film by one of my favourite directors, William Freakin. Fucking great film. Gene Hackman's character, not woke in any way at all, and better for it, because he's a fucking great character, and he's incredibly entertaining. The world does not revolve around those people, and thank God they didn't get the likes of Will Ospreay cancelled, because we wouldn't have got this moment, we wouldn't have seen Ospreay rise through the ranks to where he's got to, and we need to start valuing these people, and we need to stop ign- start ignoring the cancellers, and those that are looking to get themselves over, as a result of trying to cancel good people, talented people, to make themselves feel better in their small little world. Because Will Ospreay is someone to value. He's a fucking treasure. Look at what happened to Paul Gascoigne as a result of the tabloid newspapers. Look at the man now. It's fucking tragic, right? These people trying to do this shite 
are the walking, talking equivalent of tabloid newspapers in the 21st century, and they're completely unaware of it. You think two years ago, I know I'm going on a bit here, we were getting very angry about people throwing around rumours about various wrestlers that were completely unfounded. Mm. They were saying it on podcasts as well, and they had no right to say it because it was substanceless and it meant nothing. And thank God that shite has gone away. Let's start valuing our heroes. Let's start valuing the people that are fucking talented and see them for who they are. Let's not try and paint people up to bring them back down because that's the worst thing that can happen. And let's value Will Ospreay and his pursuit towards the IWGP heavyweight title. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, there we go. I've been in two fucking years. I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> I absolutely despise them. They accuse us of being things that we fundamentally are not. You know what? Yeah. We're proper liberals to think in a liberal fashion. They are the most illiberal liberals and they are a fucking issue. Yeah, the whole thing's ridiculous. Like, I think with Osprey as well, it's like, I mean, even if you you take that out of it, like I would say to you, Joe, with, with, me, with, with Osprey, it's like, I don't... I treat Osprey like a Premier League footballer. I don't expect yeah. him. I don't expect him to agree with me. I, I like. I respect his work. I think he's a generational talent. I think he's one of the best in the world. You know, I used to think that about Wayne Rooney once upon a time. I didn't expect to have a nice chat with Wayne Rooney and agree with him about you know every little facet of politics or agree with all of his opinions. I knew he was a sportsman and a very, very, very good sportsman at what he did. Maybe not as good as I thought he was when I was younger, but you know what I mean. I think he, he, it's. I think. I think. I think part of it comes from coming from like a, a background where yeah. Again, maybe you follow football or you follow other sports or you've just got some real-life nouse to kind of say, yeah, okay, Osprey said some s- silly things on Twitter. Yeah, he defended his friends or maybe maybe the, the woke thing to do wasn't to defend his friends. And maybe even I personally would disagree with some of the friends he, he was he was defending. But if you just put some real-life eyes on that, like, of course he did. He's, he's just a, yeah. he's a dumb, very talented kid from Essex. Like, what, what do you expect from him? Like, of course he's going to do that. Of course he's going to defend his best mate of course he's gonna maybe say a silly thing on twitter every now and then like yeah a young bloke in his fucking 20s yeah. he's mm. gonna say shit like that mm. the idea that like you know i'm obviously not a religious person but lest he lest um who's it lest he i can't fucking say it now because it's gotten quite late what was it um sort of like oh Fucking hell, mate! You're forgetting the Bible. I am forgetting the Bible. I've hit a complete memory block. Yeah. Oh, all right, I'll use another one then. Uh, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Any, everyone has fucked up at various points. The idea of yeah, okay. Uh, and people know. are very choosy about who they cancel and who they don't cancel at times. Well, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? Because there are plenty like Ric Flair, <laughs> <laughs> Sabu Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, but this cancel culture bollocks—it just needs to stop because. You know, I've seen people sort of almost not express regret over kind of investing in it a couple of years ago. And it was rampant in British wrestling a couple of years ago. It's still based around bringing up tweets from three, four yeah. years ago. Yeah, That's yeah. still the fundamental core of it. And it's yeah. like, well, because it's not about forgiveness, redemption, change. None of that stuff yeah. is actually possible. It's about punishment. It's about punishment and revenge based on kind of own angst. It's about having a set idea mm. of who someone is based on something they did in in their past in some way and people can change people can be reformed as well 
and you not know. sure Josh Bodum can. I don't know if you see his Instagram oh. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he sent you sense Benno. He's a long way off that Look, kind of a long road story. If Josh Bodum came out and apologised to Andy Quilden. Mm. I'd be happy to see him back on Red Pro shows immediately, yeah. like tomorrow. I'd love to see the man back. But he's a twat, and he's he's been an absolute twat. Yes, he has. And he needs some time away. But if he's willing to actually kind of grow up a little bit in the time he's away, then, you know, I, I would know. welcome the bloke back. But I, I, can't, I don't have the faith that's going to happen at the moment, but I'd like to. I'd like to have that faith. For the yeah, accept what he did and just, yeah, apologise to all concerned. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is wrestling that makes it special? You know, Harvey Weinstein, there's a man that deserves to go away because he's clearly a rapist, Right. Does someone deserve to stop wrestling because they made a couple of tweets and stop earning a living because they made a few tweets that somewhat someone didn't like? It's just like, come on, like put this put this stuff into perspective. Stop obsessing over a few little tweets and just in, just try and watch wrestling for what wrestling is, which is a couple of people in a ring having a good old time. And you can be critical of that wrestling. And you can be critical <laughs> of that. I was going to say, Joe. And I'm so glad we got that moment, and I'm so glad that Will Ospreay was never cancelled. You know what? One last thing. I did some stupid shit in my 20s. I still do stupid shit now because ultimately I'm flawed. And I think I'm sat next to a man who was also flawed. Yes. And I'm talking to a man in Liverpool who's also got his flaws. Oh, for sure. But everyone's fucking flawed. And we don't deserve to be, you know, you know, punished if we do one minor thing wrong for the rest of our fucking days anyway cancel culture fuck it stop it consider the context of things <laughs> consider the context of people's lives and people and who they are and consider the fact that you're acting like a tabloid newspaper a tabloid newspaper you probably rail against and don't read number one and just think about what you're doing there we go um Right, don't know what to move on from there. I mean, we can't. New Japan. Oh, go on, yeah. New on Japan th- Cup. On that note, how excited are you for the New Japan Cup? Uh, Jay White and Okada's on there to get you going again, but at least Jay White's on the opposite ends of the bracket to Sonada. At least we can take that. Uh, yeah, quite a an interesting field, uh, a busy field, and yeah, there's uh, some interesting matches in that first round as well. Osprey Shingo, I've been uh, saving uh, going back to that one again. Uh, yeah, even Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata is quite. Uh, I quite like the look of that as like oh, a nice absolutely dad fight uh, opener match. Uh, brackets look particularly interesting this year. Yeah, I think so. You got Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., which seems to be I sort of heard someone compare him to Bayern Munich playing Arsenal in the Champions League they used to just be something that came up all of the time and it appears to be in tournaments Cota Ibushi Chelsea Barcelona there's a Champions League yeah. that seems to happen all the time yeah that's <laughs> true um, yeah there's there's some good I mean it's 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 difficult to predict I think you might have said a few weeks ago that I suspect Jay White is winning this oh, in order to, to, to have Jay White Naito <laughs> Jay White Naito oh Jesus there's a possibility of Jay White Sonata in the final of this and that's not beyond the realms of possibility oh, the New Japan Cup was great last year you're getting me down on it already by talking about this well, Jay White I, I would say it's that little bit of danger having it in there as well but I, I, can, I can't see a card taken on Naito so soon so it kind of makes no, sense I don't get, think they should do it so soon yeah either. give jay white the big win on that but it's a nice varied field i i would have thought i i don't know why i got the idea in my head that the new japan cup might have a couple of juniors in there as well but it doesn't really matter because it gets you know a good whack of the roster on there 
you know, people like Carl Fred Fredericks and Alex Coughlin on there as well. I think there are some sleeper matches on yeah. there. Yeah. I think Hanare Ishii will be a I real do. sleeper match. I think that'll be a I lot think of fun. Taichi Tanahashi might yeah, be I'm all right. Yeah, the same. Yeah. Taichi's got re- <laughs> got into some form recently, hasn't he? Yeah, I think ever since... I, there's been that few times where we've spoken about him on the show and it's just like, been, no, no, they've been all right. Um for these Carl Fredericks Kenta as well is a little match that I think will be probably about 10 minutes but be quite interesting yeah mm. oh, right up your street that JP oh yeah yeah there is for that the young well you got Clark Connors coming over here he's wrestling for Rev Pro he's doing um, I think he's on the show either in is Sheffield is it again he's staying the at yours Jay Lethal you putting over JP is he uh, in your spare room I, he can stay around here if he wants. More than happy. I think you should set him up with the Bush Bees there, uh, Sheffield. Oh, I was so, going to say. You know, he... British wrestling experience. You know, give him Mar- a proper British Mar- wrestling experience. Martin's got that Sheffield experience. He can cook him a cracking feeder or healthy feed as well. Probably drive so. him to the venue as well. Get Martin a free ticket. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> go well for Martin. There you go. Uh, and maybe finish it off taking him to watch a, a pretty handy Sheffield United team at the moment. I know he, he likes Rotherham, doesn't he, Martin? But. I think so, yeah. He's in with the Chuckle Brothers with the Rotherham support in there. <laughs> He's a big Leo Fortune West fan, is, is Martin Bushby. Legends. Um, um, anything more on the New Japan Cup? Oh, we did mention the uh, the one notable New Japan match from this week as well, uh, Iji Shingo. Uh, I believe you both saw that. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yep. I didn't think it was good as their G1 belt. And it, it sounds bad. I was a little bit disappointed. Like, I think my expectations were just too high because yeah. I love both guys yeah. and it feels almost like a generational change of the guard. But maybe that's just in my head. Maybe that wasn't the way it mm. was uh, actually meant to sort of come across uh, in the in terms of the booking. Um, but it was still exactly what you'd expect from the two guys. But I do think they've got a better match in them. Mm. But I do have a slight fear that Ishii is really starting to break down possibly as well. Mm. I don't know. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing no. in the world to happen. It'd be tragic when it does. He's been but... running on fumes for a while. He has. He? I mean, he never has a break. Yeah. Does he? And he Man. doesn't have a break from that style at all like that. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with you both on that. I think I went four stars on mm. the graph for that. Um, and it, I thought it was very good, but like there was a lot better about it. Uh I don't know if it was just me. I, I don't know if you watched the Golden Ace versus Gorillas of Destiny tag match. I did watch that, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that's good. I, a lot more than I thought I would do. It was a fun match. I like Tanahashi mm. and Ibushi as a tag team. I like Tanahashi's kind of toned down style. Yeah. I think he's adapted and knows exactly where to hit his spots, mm. how to use his charisma to get over selling as well. One of the better Tonga and Lower matches I can ever remember. To I was going to say they they stepped up for it as well. well. I tell you what, Lower is shit. I think yeah. he's proper shit. Whereas I think Tamatonga is serviceable. There's something good in there. If he did, oh god, I'm having a flashback to the G1 coverage we did a couple of years ago. Oh god, just constantly ruining matches and oh. just and Lower's in the New Japan Cup as well. Tamatonga's not even in there, and even I would admit he's the better of the two. I think Lower's pretty poor, to be mm. honest. I think yeah. he's great. Um, and I, I don't know if that, if that comes with... He trained in... Wasn't he in NXT for a He was. He was... Um, 
Punico. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's got the same background as he is uh, Tamatonga in terms of having that New Japan but, kind of experience early on and all the rest of it. And hmm. don't rate the guy. But the match I thought was good. And I'm really glad they've made that transition and put him on hmm. Tanahashi and Ibushi. Because we've said for years, haven't we? And they need to sort that tag division out. Because I love tag team wrestling. I love all Japan's 90s tag division. And I feel like New Japan if they kind of bring people in and out of the singles division at different times, can have a really great tag division. Imagine, say, like an Okada and Osprey run as a tag team or something. I've got so. that written down here in my notes because obviously they had Zach and De- Tochi come in. I saw Zach and was like thinking Suzuki, Suzuki was following. I was so disappointed when it was Taichi. I get why from the storyline perspective of what they're doing with Taichi. Of why they're putting him in, they're, they're ah, obviously Zach, very high. Zach and Suzuki for me. It's they're the Suzuki. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho of like the New Japan Tag Division. They've never wrestled in a New Japan Tag Division, have but, they? It's always been Rev Pro, but that's what they've got. That's some kind of vibe, if you ask me. That's right. But if they go down this route, and again, I think we've said this in previous shows, they need the tags to be able to headline shows. They really do, and you're not going to be able to headline shows with Gorillas of Destiny. If you're able to do it this way, I think you give the tag league a hell of a lot more impetus going into that. If you've got a few teams like this as well, and then you've got like, I've always enjoyed that contrast. There was a match we watched on Wednesday, which was Luger and Sting versus the Steiner brothers from Super Brawl 1, um, which loved that. It does sort of holds like 12, 13 minutes. Benno, it's, it's, you know, it's really Hmm. nice, not nice and quick. Um, and in some ways, if you've got that contrast between the team that always works together and is that kind of well-oiled machine um, up against two individuals who are sort of individually better than that team, I, that that's a contrast in wrestling that's always going to work. And I think there's a lot more potential for that. I think the idea of having a saving a big Tanahashi Kota match for the G1 as as well, I think you can get you can get something out of that in there. And like you say. An Akada Osprey team. It was one of the points I had down on it to rival as that because imagine what that would be like. Mm. Imagine those matches. That would make that tag division a lot more interesting than there is. Exactly. Don't do a like Akada Yoshihashi team. Fuck him off. <laughs> uh, very quickly on the because uh, I'll, I'll just run through TNT quickly in a second. But on that on that Copper Box show, do you think that's happening in October? We believe in the rumors. Uh, what's the headline with? What could the headline Week off G one, isn't it? Yeah, that would make sense because that's when the, the G1's later this year, isn't it? Uh, maybe we'll get some... Hopefully we get a you know an interesting car for it. I, I would have thought if they knew they had their plan, maybe they might have saved Zach Ospreay for then. Maybe by then you could go back to, to a rematch or something. Uh, maybe maybe Osprey gets his. You know, we talked about it last year, didn't we? Gets his big shot at Okada. That would make sense, wouldn't it? You could you could build that team towards that match, like you say there, JP, and that, that could mm. be the match. Hopefully, we get something like that again. But yeah, if the if the it it was a no brainer, and I was shocked it wasn't on the schedule for this year. So yeah, if they if Andy Quilden's convinced them otherwise, good on him. Or if they've just had a change of mind, good on them because yeah, it's a it's something that was definitely needed this year, especially with the success of last time. Two of the suspicions I have as well, and I'm really glad that it looks like it probably is going to happen mm. as well, both for, uh, you know, us on a selfish level, getting yeah. to go see the show, but also for, say, Rev Pro on a business level in New Japan, having a consistent presence in the market year by yeah. year as well. But in terms of the Osprey booking, I was thinking to myself, they were teasing Osprey Naito. Does Osprey win the New Japan Cup? That would be great if he does. Or is Osprey Naito something that comes long, long term that he's sort of been told might come later in the year, maybe? Mm. I think that it's the kind of story you can start now. He loses that first match. He can't overcome that challenger at that level. 
oh, sorry, that challenge or that level, but he's going to get there eventually. Mm. We know that we sort of suspect he's going to get there eventually. You can start the story here with that quest of the title for the event. But my other thought was, does he lose to Shingo in the first round? And does that then put Shingo in a position for a British heavyweight title shot? And we've got a big show coming up in May. And what a match Osprey Shingo would be at York Hall. But that's probably wishful thinking. Yeah. Uh, that would be great, though. York Hall or the Copper Box. I- I'd take that. Uh, if they do the full weekend, to be again. a long way away. I think you'd have to do the match sooner, wouldn't you? Yeah, maybe. But I'm also going to be really excited for the ta- NXT UK takeover that night as well. The <laughs> same night. That? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The same mate. night, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they put one potentially for any of those nights. But you but and this... I know this. It's just a natural thing that happens. <laughs> they've just got 365 years of like sort of holds on venues in case yeah. they want to execute a show. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. It's like days, I mean. They'll be running, running like the Coventry Sky Dome or they'll be in Cardiff or somewhere random. They'll do the Scotland show. They'll do the, uh, the big go home show for Gallus. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe that's what we'll get. Uh, NXT TakeOver uh, Glasgow or something. Oh, I hope, I'll tell you what. I hope the Scottish fans are singing the Scottish 98 World Cup song, Don't Come Home Too Soon, uh, to Gallus, <laughs> hoping that they have to watch their absolute shite up there. Because, Jesus, maybe, you know, maybe don't sing it to Kayleigh Ray and Viper. It'd be nice to see them home. But yeah. Gallus, Jesus Christ. I don't want to be seeing them rest of the time soon. Scottish, Welsh, English, Irish, European... Yeah, honestly. Do you know the song I mean? Oh, no, I can't think Delamitri? of it. Scottish 98. Yeah. yeah my dad yeah, was banging into them when I was younger. Like, it's all he ever used to listen to in the car was Delamitri. So I thought I thought they were big stars when they got to do the Scotland song. Really? <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I've been oh. seeing them live a couple of times. Though, What's the name of recent years. Don't Del- come home too soon. Were yeah. they like Duncan Ferguson? It's nice to know we've sorted out the music noise. <laughs> we've done well today nice. for that. It's always good. Were they always like Duncan Ferguson's favourite band and that influenced your dad to give him a listen or something? Jesus, oh, I'd assumed he'd like Napalm Death on the slide. That seems like... Would be oh, Duncan, I've seen that them. would suit the internal conflict going on in Drunken Duncan, wouldn't it? I've oh. seen them live. Have you? Yeah, download one year in a tent. I watched four songs, walked out, I watched Feeder instead. <laughs> uh, they were much calmer, much nicer then. Yeah. But no, on, on, I think my dad, yeah, he was big into a Scot. To be fair, like people have accused us of being biased against the Scots. My dad's always had the soft spots for the Scots. That's a vibe. Big Dunk was a hero when he first came to Liverpool. And yeah, he was uh, he was put in prison and there were free Dunk graffiti all over the city. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We took him on as a scout. I remember being on holiday, like Ibiza or somewhere as a kid, and the first Scottish fella I think I ever met in my life kept coming over to us and going, oh, your scousers, yeah, Big Dunk, he's a diamond. Don't like the scousers, but Big Dunk, he's a diamond. So that always <laughs> stuck with me. Love the scousers. And also, anti-Scottish bias. What a load of absolute <laughs> Like, yeah, Gallus are bad wrestlers. Yeah, ICW is Shit. bad, and it's always been kind of bad. My girlfriend's fucking Scottish. Her family live in Scotland. Train spotting's in my top five films of all time. There you go. <laughs> Most of my favourite bands are Scottish. Errors, the Twilight Sads. I like lots of Scottish stuff. Remember, remember. Good band. Yeah. Simple Minds. Yeah, there we go. Another one. <laughs> Travis. That shit. Yeah, that. No, that's <laughs> true. Um, speaking of bias, and I'll get this out the way quickly before yes. we go. I mean, I mentioned earlier about my, my trip to TNT. There isn't time to go into it in big detail here. I'm, I'm going to another one of their shows in two weeks, so I'll talk about them a, a bit more then. Um, but yeah, aside from my running with the promoter on the way in, you heard about it earlier. I just wanted to say, yeah, I, went, I did go to TNT last Thursday. Would it blow your mind, lads, to hear that David Starr and Eddie Kingston had a very, very good match? Uh, Shut the front door. No, <laughs> it's not for that. 
they did it here in TNT with, with no real stakes other than, you know, whether you, if you count the TNT world title as, 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 as you know, big stakes. And, and, you know, for a match that's come out of pretty much nowhere with no real build, it was cold. And then they went out there and, you know, this wasn't, as far as TNT shows go, this wasn't the most stacked. It was one of the quieter nights I've, 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 I've been to see TNT recently. I probably put the attendance maybe sub 150. Uh, I think they're just running maybe too many shows recently, too many big shows. But they went out there, and I tell you what, like as far as like just having, you know, having one of those matches where it's just at the start, the smart sportsman like, and the you know shaking each other's hand, and they're clearly mates. I'm pretty. Is Kingston living with Starwise over here? That makes sense. I think so. I'm not quite sure if he's living with him or, or just, if he's in um, just hanging about kebab you- shops with him. Well, I'm not sure whether or not he's um, he's been in Wolverhampton for a bit. I, oh a little- yeah. He had the look of someone. There was one of the shops around, and I thought that doesn't look very Saint Albans to me. <laughs> I think he's oh yeah, because Charlie Evans has been taking uh, photos of him and putting them on there on Twitter, which is is one of the uh, the few pluses of Twitter at the moment. Eddie Kingston's tour of the UK, uh, some great uh, great shots of that, but of him in a Weatherspoons, like you say, at a crossing. JP, he's having the time of his life. Uh, but yeah, like he, he kind of. They told that story of them being friends and then the match, you know, as the, the match goes on, you know, one of them takes a shot, the other one doesn't like it. And then it just got really physical. And it was like a, a, the, the, I'm not, the amnesty and the, just the, the, the selling, the kind of the, the, the anger and the emotion that they brought into the match. It was like, it was watching a different level of work compared to everything else that I'd seen on the card to that point. It was just, you know, these are two professionals. Like, Eddie Kingston's, like, for me, he's an indie wrestling legend. And I know he's pissed off as a title this week with his, uh, yeah. he, he double-booked himself for progress, uh, which is unfortunate. But 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 in, but in general, I, I do love him. He's a proper pro. Uh, and, he can, and he comes across as, like, there's just something different when he comes out. He might not be the best wrestler in the world from an in-ring point of view, but there's something thoroughly likable about him, something that makes you want to pull for him, and something that, like, just drags you into his matches and stars got that same quality i was watching this live and because it was an emptier building being really close up and watching david star that close up and you know you talk independent wrestling legends like david star's gonna be one he's gonna be one that we talk about you know in in 10 years time in 15 years time so yeah just wanted to give a shout out to that match because it was an incredible main event on it on an otherwise you know decent show i mean they had their your mate big joe uh, jp was on against son Derson, who i think is one of uh grapple garrett's favorites uh they had like a a match for the ignition title which is like their b-show title and it had no right to get as over as it did in the building that big joe gimmick when he comes out no matter the crowd he's gonna get over it. it's very crash holly isn't it and you know you were gonna buy one of his t-shirts at one point jp yeah. after seeing him once a future shock he's really got something there and he'd, he'd be great on pretty much any any promotions card i'd say he was great at future shock when he had because he had the match with the referee didn't he chris, mm. chris sharp and he was yeah you'd see about the the kind of there's two because he's Big Joe Nelson, isn't it? And then there's also another Joe Nelson. No, no, there's, that... jo- there's Joe Nelson and he's Big Guns Joe. There's another Big oh, Joe, right. which is the confusion. Who does like That's a, right. There's two SIA Big Joes, isn't it? Yeah. And this, the other Big Joe is big. Yeah. And this Big Joe is not. And this Big Joe isn't. And he's, yeah, but I can see him getting over massively. I think, uh, who did we see Sonna Durson face on the Future Shock show that we were on as well? Was he teaming Cause... with Joey Hayes? He yeah, was, was team with Johnny Vett. Yeah. That's mm. right. Against the Grizzled Young Grizzled Vets. Young Vets. Mm. And, you know, he, he has enough he, he has enough stuff about him. He's certainly like, these are the kind of good people he should have on these shows. It and, doesn't seem like he's brokered in sort of 
down south. It doesn't seem like it gets booked down here. It yeah. seems yeah. like west. I, I, and... I wonder whether I'm getting like the Schadenfreude bookings lately, you know, is going to maybe at least get his name out there a bit more yeah. down south. And, you know, the likes of Joe Nelson, who's doing the kid like us two thing. Uh, he's very good too. Uh, but yeah, I definitely wanted to give a shout out because that was a very good match. And Son of Dyson, someone who I haven't always been there. I'm not negative on him. I just maybe haven't seen the hype that other people have seen him. You know, he got that slot on Raw this year, didn't he? Um, and he does, you know, I hear great talk about him from the Ogdens and Gareth and the likes as, as being someone to watch on the Northwest. And this was as good of a match I've seen him in. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Overall, it was a fun show. Got to see the more than hype lads do that. They're weird reverse monkey flip double team i don't know if you've seen the gif of because that was like it's like no. a monkey flip into a code breaker but but like they're taking they're doing the monkey flip to each other it's the oddest thing it looks great i'll send you the clip it's well worth seeing uh but yeah they were on against the kings of the north with adam max there who does still come across as a star and he's someone who you'd imagine is on that johnny ace hit list at uh at wwe got to see jordan oliver on the shows like a spotty GCW wrestler who has no business getting flown out for a TNT yeah, MLW show. MLW Injustice. Oh, he's he's like, alright, Jordan Oliver. He's a pure, like I said this on the night, he's pure JPW. You know I mean? Like those special K lads of the mid-2000s who wear bag- baggy shorts and do flips and have big spotty matches but have got a little bit of personality to them. He's kind of got that going for him. So it was enjoyable just getting to see somebody like him live in there with uh, Scotty Davis and, uh, and Senza Volto. So yeah, all in all, I, I had a fun time at the show. I'll, t- I'll talk about them more when I go to their, their next show in a couple of weeks. They're doing like a, a Project X Cup thing, like a tournament. We've got Ace Austin, Mike Bailey, Taurus. It's the it's the weekend of uh, 16 carats of Puma Kings in there. Ryan Smiles in there who made a comeback on this TNT show, which is a it's a controversial one. But yeah, Oku's in there. Robbie X is in there. It's actually quite an exciting tournament in a couple of weeks. That so, sounds yeah. like a great lineup. Yeah, so you know when they're not arguing with podcasters, JP, they're doing a really uh, good yeah. job of uh, of putting together interesting shows. So yeah, I'll be at that one. Jay, in a couple of weeks. take it. This is all generally positive, mate. <laughs> take it. We're all good now. I think he's. I think he's uh, more accepted now. But yeah, I'll I'll still be going to their shows, and yeah, you'll uh, you'll have to suffer through me uh, talking through their shows for the uh, the next few months anyway. So, some great stuff coming up. Ah, good chat with the bloke, you know, a bit of compromise, a bit of understanding between <laughs> two people. Man to man. <laughs> Amazing what pragmatism can do yeah. rather than putting people into, you know, binary oppositions and just casting constant judgment. You know, I do that with the Tories. I know <laughs> I do. <did. laughs> That's allowed. The, with good fucking reason. Look at the fundamental shite that has happened to the country over the past 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, there's good reason for it. And look at mine and JP's job as well. But hey. I'm mine too. Um, yeah. Yeah. On that note, uh, anything else? Anything else you've been watching? Anything else you want to talk before we go? Or are we, uh, we are here? Two really quick notes on All Japan. Been meaning to get back to these a couple of weeks. Got around to watching Kento Miyahara's latest defence against uh, Yuma Aoyagi. He was the guy who turned against him after the Jake Lee match as well. I didn't think he was up there with the with the kind of Kento matches I've seen of him of last year. Um, I even think the Jake Lee one was slightly better than this one. Aoyagi has something, but he's not there yet. But he's clearly what is lined up to be that kind of fourth pillar, if you think of it, with Kento very much ahead of um, Naomi Nomura and Jake Lee. That that's what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, it's worth watching. I think I went like sort of, I, I just went four stars on it because I thought it, it was very good, but not up to that kind of usual standard. But it's always kind of nice watching him as a, as a force of nature. Got to see, um, was it Lucas Steele again? He was in the semi-main. He's, t- he's in a heel stable, which he's was... He's a beefy fucker, isn't he? Oh, he is. <laughs> Do you know who he's in there with? He's a proper beef fest, this. 
Jesus Christ. It was like that roast I made you on uh, on January 5th. <laughs> yeah, the you, amount of beef roast, and bowl. Well, you were roasting another joint on Sunday as well, Well, you? yeah, exactly. I can't get enough of them. Was this uh, after Washington beefy fuckers? Well, in this one, it was Violent Giants. So it was Ishikawa and Sawama yeah, yeah. versus him and Sh- Sugar Hero, our, our friend, man baby, Sugar Hero Irie. Eh, I'm not a big fan. He of was in he's fine. The, he's kind of fine here. All yeah. Japan is a place where, even though he's a freelancer, is definitely a place for him to be. Yeah. The match would have been all right, but there was just a shitload of interference from the other guys. I think it's the Purple Haze stable, and that was getting fucking annoying. So I wasn't happy about that. But Luca still does not look out of place. And I think he took like three backdrop drivers from Suwama before he actually got pinned. So clearly someone they're very keen on. However, that kind of look, it seems like performance center would be written all over him, really, for the kind of guy that he's there. Um, he's doing the Champions Carnival along with Joel Redman. He's back doing so, it. Yeah. yeah. A Davy Boy Smith Jr. is in this mm. one, which I, I don't know. This hints always seem like he's going to be off to WWE, but... I think he may be contractually with MLW for a little bit longer, so it makes sense for him to do this All Japan tournament. And also, they got Segura from um, Noah, from Noah, who's the national champion, which is an interesting bit of booking. Mm. It hints at something else, not anything I particularly read, but you kind of the willingness to do business. I think there was also some All Japan wrestlers appeared on a Noah card reasonably recently as well. So those are interesting things to keep an eye on. That lineup sounds appealing as well. I thought, I watched yeah. a bit of Champions Carnival last year. I think that, that was, was great. Of, fun. It was a quiet period of wrestling. I remember, which is amazing considering the last few years. <laughs> Don't remember and what it was. Yeah, <laughs> and there was some really good stuff in there last year. So yeah, it sounds like some good additions. Davy Boy Smith Jr. I've never been able to work out. But I think he's good, and mm. this is the real test of it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, we should have a definitive answer. Yeah. Uh, and one last All Japan note: there was there's a young Italian guy they've had like sort of work in their dojo as well called young Akira, boy. yeah, Akira oh, Francesco, and <laughs> he had a ten minute like it was his first junior title match, and he had a ten minute match, and it was really good. How old we talking? You sure he's all right? He is it just a bit is it just that lad from Renfrew Renford Rejects JP? Is that what it is? Oh, Bruno De Grady. Is that who it is? <laughs> it's, it's, oh it's mate, nice. what a show! I loved Renford Rejects. It's my favourite TV show as a kid for a period. <laughs> it was good till he changed the girl, JP, uh, Joe. It was great at the start, and then it kind of lost its way. It was, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying, but oh man, I still loved it. Some of the cameos as well. Do you remember the episode with Bruno De Grady when yeah. Teresa Beppe and Gianni's sister from EastEnders? <laughs> And he turned into boring Barry Gray as he couldn't pull her. Yeah. And then she gave him great inspiration. He scored an overhead kick in the last minute of the game. <laughs> and she compared it to Zola or something. And it, she managed to get the Italian verve flowing in him again. Great episode. I like to think it landed her a role in EastEnders. Well, there's plenty of Italian verve going through this young lad as he works his way through the All Japan Junior is, roster is as well. Is he as good as, say, Del Piero was as a young boy? No, he's not. Like Del Piero was 17 at Juve. What a fucking yeah. player he was then. I did notice Andy Quillen made a comment that he didn't think Beppe had that kind of top-line star potential. I agree with him, because look at what Beppe's done since. He's not really got a lot of work. He left EastEnders. He didn't get the big contract for, say, the Martin Kemp's, the Ross Kemp's of this world. Got with ITV up on their leaving. Yeah. He hasn't, and I think Batista brought Lesnar. The likes of even <laughs> Tamsin Elfway, I think, was shit. But she got solid work afterwards as well, you know. Hasn't made it quite to that level. Sean Slater getting work out in LA. True Blood. Was, uh, um, Pacific yeah. Rim, yeah. Was yeah. Beppe just getting the push because of his luck? Is that what we're saying? 
I think so. And then Beppe left and was just on the pool with Gaffney and is still on the pool with Gaffney now. I know they got kicked out of a Chelsea-Norwich game earlier this season. He basically season. buffed Bagwell. But yeah, buff Bagwell's a great comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know who that makes Gianni in that case. Sorry, JP. We'll get back to you in a minute, but I've got to ask Joe. What happened in EastEnders this week? Why is Andy Quillen going on about EastEnders? Oh. Why are you, what's happening? Why is so it not kicking off? I had no idea what was going on. And then um, on Friday night, I had two separate people. I was, I was out in London again on Friday night, quite drunk again, not at the level of last week. Okay. You know, I did manage to control I'm that. A regular on the booze now. Oh, Win or lose, mate. <laughs> yeah, uh, we finished drinking it around midnight. We were at a McDonald's at Waterloo at about midnight, and I managed to get the last train home, so it was all good. Um, and a couple of people, a couple of trusted sources, a very similar sense of humour to mine, uh, one male, one female, who understand the kind of EastEnders comedy that I love, were like, have you seen it this week? I hadn't seen it since Christmas. I think I've seen like, an episode here and there. My girlfriend and we were watching dinner for absolute shite. But I tuned in last night, binge-watched... Uh, <laughs> With my girlfriend, my God, was it fucking awesome? Like they had like this boat party to celebrate. This podcast is going on to celebrate thirty-five years of EastEnders and like some Queen Vic anniversary. So they booked a boat on the Thames, naturally as you do. Got a coach from the square down to this boat, and they had like four different stories kind of tail off. So you had one with Danny Dyer and his wife and her being an alcoholic or something. You had one with Ian Beale and Sharon's son because uh, Ian Beale's son Bobby, the one who uh, was in 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 the nick for murder, uh, is out and he's a like Muslim now and has like found the peaceful side of. Uh, like religion and all the rest of it. Sounds like so, going down with Beal. Well, Beal's struggling a little bit, but then Sharon's right. son was trolling him online and talking about how he was a terrorist and got beat up in this terrorist attack. So Beal was after old Dennis. Uh, then what else? <laughs> there? there was Phil, Keanu and Ben with the old uh, Sharon, Phil, love triangle. That was a belter. Phil having a fight on top of a boat with old young Keanu up there. Some cracking scenes. Phil wearing a pair of sketches as well. <laughs> look, 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 we did Phil Mitchell wearing sketches. Kind of wrong in a way. He'd just be expecting like black industry, wild man. Boots. Crack addicts Phil wouldn't have gone anywhere near a pair well, of sketches. Well, he'd been going near slippers at best, I would have thought. Yeah. No shoes at all. I he wasn't leaving that front room much at the time, was he? He listened to a lot of the Who as well, wasn't he? he did, uh, and then there was a... What was the other story? There was one with... Ah, oh, fucking Whitney. Awful character. One of the worst characters in the history of the show. But yet she remains there for some bizarre reason. I'd have written her out years ago if I was in that position. Seamus <laughs> or like uh, Dolph Ziggler or like uh, mate, someone like that. Seamus all over. Corbin. Constant, no, Seamus. They constantly try and give her pushes. Constantly try and put her in the spotlight. And it's just like, you're boring. Go away. <laughs> just, just go away. You're not the daughter. I know you're Bianca's daughter, technically, but you're no Patsy Palmer in the position. But anyway, these stories kind of interwined and they sort of concluded each episode on a cliffhanger with the individual different stories. And in the Friday episode, all the stories met and culminated and came together. So it was like these individual short stories that came together at the end. It was it was cracking. It was uh, I was I was loving it. Not going to lie. Back on top form. Some thrilling television, and uh, Sharon's son Dennis died as Sharon was giving birth to her new baby as well, which Kathy helped deliver in a funeral. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, just going back. Oh, and well, this. Ian Beale, so Martin Fowler what? as well. What? Martin Fowler's daughter was given some ecstasy by the daughter of Nick Cotton. Oh, my God. Do you remember the storyline where Nick Cotton gave Martin Fowler ecstasy? And then Mark Fowler, Doug Williams, who I did see, is doing the Ring of Honor Pure (laughs) Titans. So, you know what? 
that AIDS medication is fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's playing off playing off the old reference. Jesus there. Christ, yeah. he's like Magic Johnson squared, isn't he? he is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, a week of just intense drama, references to the past. Uh, <laughs> Phil back on top form as well. A few deaths thrown in there. So Billy Mitchell smacked Phil over the episode at some point. I was like, Billy Mitchell taking it to Phil. I thought he was like... Is idol a bit like Beefcake taking it to Hogan? That was. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, but cracking week of soap opera action. Probably give it a break for a while again now, I would have thought. But yeah, if uh, anyone wants to tell me about how great EastEnders has been anytime soon, I will tune in. It feels like their Mania weekend, bringing back all the big stars, all, all the nostalgia, but doing it right. Like wrestling yeah, could take well, some they, lessons here. Good I'll, booking. Good booking. Sharon loses a child as she gives birth to a child. Sharon must be like 50. <laughs> yeah. Like hell. She was a teenager when I was a kid. Pumping them out at 50. Fair play to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing well. Uh, well, there's your She's old, old Japan very much flair, isn't she? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the title runs. Uh, no. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I think you got to go with, well, who would Phil be? I suppose he's the Hogan of the promotion, isn't he? Still going strong late, you know, old age. You would Bill But as a tag team, they're very much the Steiners. Macho Man, maybe? Uh, Ian Bill, for me, is oh, Jericho. Dangerous talk with, with Joe about Benno. Nah, because Bill's better than Macho Man at what <laughs> oh, he does. No. <laughs> oh, no. And Bill and is, open Bill worms is everywhere. Bill is constantly reinventing himself, but he's still <laughs> got that same intrinsic character quality. I think you've got, you've got um, young teenage Bill... You've got yuppie Bill. You've got business Bill. The J.Y. Bill. Homeless Bill. You've got hobo Bill. Yeah. You've got sitcom comedy Bill, which is my favourite Bill. Where he's like this flawed, like middle-aged man who's straight out of like an '80s sitcom who's just a laughing stock constantly. You've got player Bill. Some of the women he's pulled over the years. <laughs> Jesus. Now he does it. Punching. Well and truly, yeah. Him and Denise at one point. I was like, get in there, Bill. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Not very woke, this podcast, is it? <laughs> this Shall week or just in general? No, people are getting a preview, Joe, what it'd look like if we ever had the Patreon, because this is how it'd go. Yeah. The EastEnders won't be this good every week. <laughs> what I didn't see is someone linked me to some tweet that and someone made about Andy Quilden doing a EastEnders podcast with me or something one week. And if he's up for it and he wants to talk old EastEnders, I'll pop down to Portsmouth again or we can get on the blower and uh, well up for it. There's the can you get a bit of South Coast discussion in there as well? Of what do you mean? South, just general conversations about Saints and Pompey. Yeah, he's not a Pompey fan. He's, he's not Essex, isn't he? Yeah, just, he's an Arsenal fan, isn't he? He's, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I've yeah. just seen him tweet as well. He's uh, stumbled across the uh, the Chris Wilson every wrestling theme song ever fits the Bills opening titles. Two peas in a pod. You too, Joe. He loves what you love. Mate, if he wants to talk the Bill as well, I am bang on that. <laughs> Any money he will mention at some point. Massive fan of the Bill. And oh, good yeah. on it. Good taste. Brother from another mother. Good taste. <laughs> good lad. Um, anything more on all Japan, JP? <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. I think we've moved Next past it now. Tuned out. Look, you've got me on this podcast with a massive speech of these senders and a massive thing on cancel culture. So, yeah. you know, you got your money's worth this week. And it was for free. There so buy that pay-per-view yes. using via that the Grapple website. Tell us the address again, JP. Grappleapp.com forward slash support. There you go. And support Grapple, support us, support Gra- Gareth, and support that fantastic promotion that are finding all cylinders in AEW at the moment because God knows they need it. And that shite promotion, WWE, 
do not need anyone's support at this point in time because, again, it's an oppressive regime in a country this week where previously their plane was bloody held up on a runway, people's lives were put in danger, all for a few quid. Fuck them. Yeah. Most of them ain't gone. Yeah. yeah. Support AEW. Support us. There you go. For sure. And yes, yeah, support <laughs> our, our good friends at, uh, at Fight who've uh, enabled us to put that on. And yeah, all the usual stuff. Follow Grapple on Twitter at Grapple App. Follow me at Benson Richard E. Follow JP at JPJP on Twitter. And yeah, we'll uh, be back next week to talk. I'm assuming you're at the cockpit, are you, Joe, uh, on Sunday? Uh, no, no, I'm not, mate. I, oh, you're I, not doing it? Uh, mate, no, I, I'm with a season ticket at the moment. And uh, I'm off to a mate's birthday on the Sunday, so oh, that's a... I'm meant to be day drinking, but I'm taking a bit of a break from the booze for a while, so I'll I'm driving. Uh-huh. Always on it, always on it. So we'll, we'll hear about that. Oh, I really, is. really not. Lash a left. Lash the title for the show, and we're done. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Perfect. I don't so... know if it fits the theme of the show, but anyway. <laughs> I suppose I've lashed the cancer. That's right? it, exactly. Yeah. There you go, Lash 11. Double Okay, well, we'll talk that. We'll talk. Uh, I'll probably talk my trip to Bratislava. Um, I'm going to be there till Monday, uh, so the next show uh, next week will be Tuesday. But yeah, we'll talk all that. We'll talk the AEW pay per view. We might talk some wrestler road Qatar if JP gets us way. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, uh, we'll see you again next week for more of the same. Bye. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.